Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lee in Washington. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Alex Jones. I've been waiting a long time to talk to you. Anyways, I just wanted to say, um, I remember back in the day, uh, Y2K, the Bill Cooper incident, and you smoking Luis Major Rogan. Now you lost your kids, and I'm so happy about that, dude. If I ever seen you in real life, I would smack the shit out of you. I would delay that because we can't have cussing. I've never taken DMT. Thing sucks. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network or go to michaeldeacon.com. Any episode you might have missed, go there now. First guest tonight is Mr. Mike Barra. He is a New York Times best-selling author, screenwriter, and lecturer. A self-described born-again conspiracy theorist. Mike's first book, Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA, was a New York Times bestseller. Mike has made numerous public appearances lecturing on the subjects of space science, NASA, physics, and the link between science and spirit. He is a regular contributor to television and radio shows alike. And of course, after the break, Mike Hideous joins me here live. He is the founder and frontman of the East Coast Gothic rock band, The Empire Hideous, which was active through the 1990s and into the early 2000s. He also performed with the Bronx Casket Company, Spy Society 99, and The Misfits as a fill-in vocalist for their South American and European tours. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Welcome back, boys and girls. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America. Feels great to be back already. Great to see so many of you out there. We survived yet another week. We've got a full house here tonight. Mike Barry joining me here in a moment. Mr. Mike Hideous also dropping in after the break. It's been some time since he's been here. I know he will have plenty to say. It's been a one hell of a week. Sarah Silverman shoots up YouTube's headquarters. Facebook is reading every message you send. Free thought is gone. Ladies and gentlemen, sit back and relax. My first guest is ready. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Hey, not much. I'm doing good, Michael. How are you? I really can't complain. It feels really good to be here tonight, and I hope you're doing well, Mike. 
Yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing better than I have been, uh, for a while. I have <laughs> a few struggles, but, uh, by the way, I really liked that opening song. I thought that was really, uh, good. Who is, who is that? Oh, that's Nine Inch Nails. Oh, Nine Inch Nails. Head okay. like a hole. Yes. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it sound, it kind of sounds like, uh, Nine Inch Nails, so I was kind of wondering who it was. Yeah, that, that's a usual intro for this program. I think it's well suited. Yeah, yeah, it's a good song. Oh yes, love that. By the, by the way, again, thank you for being here. I, I've been meaning to get you on this program for many, many years. Well, I'm I'm glad I could finally um, have a, a dead Saturday night. <laughs> I Seriously, could, I, I could uh, be on your show. Normally, I'm out drinking beer at this time and watching some sort of sporting event, but uh, not lately. Lately, I haven't been feeling too great, so uh, it's been. I, I'm here. I'm just you know Mike, hanging out. Mike, anytime I've ever talked to you. I've been drinking, and I'm going to continue that that sort of, um, I guess you could say that sort of commitment, and I'm drinking <laughs> now. Oh, good. Well, I wish, uh, yeah, maybe I should go get a beer. You or really a glass should. Of wine. You really should. No, I don't. I, you know what? Because my biggest problem these days is that I tell the truth too often, and God knows if I start drinking, I'll tell the truth even more. So well, that's, <laughs> that's what a I, good idea. That's what I like to do here, tell the truth. Yeah, well, uh, no the world doesn't hurts. like the truth. They it, they don't, they don't like that. <laughs> they the, really the don't. UFO community even more doesn't like people who tell the truth. So you know oh, about yes. UFOs and the UFO community. That's those are two things they really don't like. And I have plenty to talk to you about that in, in that respect. But before we get into any of that, I thought we could go back in time just a little bit here and uh, go back into your roots here. I understand, of course, you are from Seattle. Biggest Seahawks fan, I know you are. Yep, and Manchester City, who disappointed me enormously today in England. But, hey, that's a different sport. So yeah, that happens. So, Mike, how, how did you get involved in, into this, into conspiracies, into ancient aliens? Where did all this begin, this fascination for all these things? Well, you know, honestly, I, I kind of had this ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I, I remember watching Gemini and Apollo missions as a little kid, just being fascinated by space and alien life and the idea that we were, you know, not alone. And I remember watching these missions and saying to myself, you know, um, this doesn't feel right. They're hiding something from us. There's something, you know, missing. And I like, I remember the first moonwalk, you know, the TV was a horrible black and white picture. And I remember asking my dad, who was a very accomplished, successful, engineer for Boeing. And I said, you know, dad, we got a color TV. Why is this all black and white and crappy looking? And he, you know, he said, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't know. It seems like they should have been able to, to take a color camera up there and, and get us better pictures than this. And that was maybe one of the first times that I really started thinking that there's something not quite right with the world and with everything to do with NASA and space and all that. And then, um, from there, you know, I kept the fascination over the years. I used to consume a lot of books and, and TV, and there was an awesome magazine back in those days in the 70s called Saga, S-A-G-A, which was basically nothing but aliens, UFOs, ghost stories, and half-naked girls. <laughs> and, like and, as a teen- 
Yeah, as a teenager, it was the best magazine ever. So, because I'd buy it at the, you know, at the store, and my my mom would go, well, "What's that?" And I go, "Oh, that's a, some, you know, magazine about space." She'd look at it and go, "Oh, okay," you know. Yeah. And then there were there were pictures of of models barely covered up by towels and things like that. So, um, you know, so I I just progressed, and then as as time went by, I ended up meeting a gentleman named Ken Johnston Jr. who knew Richard Hoagland and. I ended up connecting with Hoagland and started writing articles for him for his website. And at one point, I just finally said, why don't we put all this stuff together in, into a book, which was um, <clears throat> ended up being Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA, and was the worst decision of my life, to be honest with you. Was it really? <laughs> oh, it was no fun. It was just miserable to to write that book. That book was just really super stressful and way too big. It's got its now 600 pages. Should have been three books, really. Um, and, um, and that's where it all took off from there. And I mean, as far as the conspiracy stuff goes, there was just always a suspicion, but what really turned me was TWA 800, the shoot down of the aircraft off Long, um, Long Island, just after takeoff from JFK, which, you know, as an aerospace engineer guy had worked for Boeing and various other aerospace companies, um, I immediately knew was either a bomb or a missile. And of course, later on, it became very obvious it was a missile. And the, the cover up by the government of that event turned me into what I, you know, called a born again conspiracy theorist where I had to go around and telling everybody, you know, there's conspiracies out there. It's real. It's all this stuff is actually real. And, um, and that's what, that's where I got started. And you weren't an abductee or anything like that, correct? No, no, never had any experiences like that, at least not consciously. I mean, I had a few dreams, but, you know, who doesn't have dreams about grays coming in through their bedroom window and stuff? That's true. (laughs) It's happened um, to me before, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that happens. Um, So I guess what I'd say, excuse me, what I'd say is, um, um, no, I had no experiences. I never saw a UFO until I started working on this program I did for Discovery Channel called Uncovering Aliens, which I thought was a terrible title. And, um and had two sightings, one at the auditions in New York City in Brooklyn on the rooftop bar with a couple of my female co-stars. Nice. And, um, yeah, it was not a bad night. Uh, you know, two two babes, several beers, and, um, a, you know, flying saucers, alien spacecraft. And, um, and, and then, again, when we were shooting, we were shooting in a place called Gerald, um, Arizona, which is near Sedona. And we were up there, and there was this um, – this guy in the cast, uh, Stephen Jones, who's just a wonderful, sweet man, a British guy, and he was an abductee, and he, you know, he was firmly convinced that, um, firmly convinced, you know, that aliens were here to help us in the next step of our evolution, evolution, as he used to put it. And I was like, you know, Stephen, I didn't, we didn't ask, so I don't really want the help. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we, we we were there shooting at night and night vision stuff, and I had the camera, and we were we'd been there about two hours, and all the satellites and airplanes and everything had had pretty much stopped appearing because the sun had moved low enough below the horizon that it wasn't really illuminating the satellites anymore. And we were about ready to pack up, and he goes, no, no, wait. And he holds his hands out, and he says, if you're out there, appear to us. And literally three flying saucers, spacecraft, whatever you want to call them, appeared in a triangle right above us, about 20 degrees above the horizon, 30 degrees, and hovered and then they all started moving intersecting with each other and just kept moving until they all disappeared over the horizon or around the around behind us and so i had those two experiences and that's really been it uh, not bad yeah well, i've always been know, curious if, if you better than a mm-hmm. better than a jab in the eye with a sharp stick as my dad used to say that's true or you could have been stabbed like Corey feldman 
<laughs> yeah, Jesus, was that was that weird or I, what? I think he's full of shit, but that's just really, me. really okay. Yeah, I, I just I'm not buying it this time. He he's the boy who cried wolf too many times. Yeah, well, and he's never really. I mean, it's. I think it's way fast, past time for him to name some names, and I, I know, I believe I know who some of the names are, and, um, you know, I, I think he should start saying them because it's all going to come out anyway. I, I, That's you know. true, right? You know, the thing is, Michael, it's really interesting. Really interesting. What, what am I going to my fourteen-year-old cracking voice here tonight? <laughs> um, it's really interesting because people in our community, in the UFO community, I mean, it's all over for, you know, all over contact in the desert. We're going to be talking about disclosure and everybody wants to know about disclosure. And, you know, I'm going to be doing, um, the new living expo in San Mateo at the end of the month in a couple of weeks. And everybody wants to talk about disclosure. Are you going to talk about disclosure? And people don't really realize, I don't think what disclosure really means because it's like, you think you're just going to get aliens, but that's, not true. You're going to get everything. You're going to get the stuff you don't want to know about. And this process, you know, it's kind of be careful what you wish for because, yeah, they may be telling us some of the truth about aliens. They're also going to be telling us the truth about a lot of other stuff right? and a lot of other people that we have a lot of illusions about. And there are going to be a lot of shattered egos if disclosure really does happen on a large scale and in a in a, uh, in a, in a, in kind of a big, um, big, you know, boom kind of a way. And I don't, I mean, I'm not sure people are really as prepared for it as they think they are. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I think that comes from all the mainstream press. That story got a couple of months back, the footage from To the Stars Academy. That made its rounds and that created a bit of a buzz. Many researchers, however, tore it apart. And I believe I had brought in, well, I, I do believe. I brought in Stephen Bassett on, onto the program to talk a little bit about that. And wow, people really were not happy with uh, Mr. Bassett. As soon as he mentioned Hillary and, and Podesta, people just got irritated. They weren't having it. Well, you know, I mean, I think Steve's kind of off in a, you know, kind of a Pollyanna space about Podesta. Understood. Um, yes. uh, there's an awful lot of things about him that are rumored out there that I've I've been told by various people are true, and they're not even nearly the worst of it. So, you know, we'll see what happens if this ever comes out. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, it, that's the thing. They they don't want to hear um, – I don't think people want to hear the truth because the more I tell the truth, the more flack I get. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like – but the thing is I can't do this. I got into this to tell the truth, right? And not well, just my truth. You know, there's no my truth. People talk about my truth. Well – there's the truth and there's your opinion and there's no my truth. So, I mean, you can, you can, you know, stand behind your opinion, but you, you, I think over these next months and years, we got to be prepared to have our opinions shattered because there's, there's just going to be a lot of stuff that's going to shock people when it comes out. Truly. And what exactly was your opinion on the whole media? fascination with with Tom DeLong there for a couple of weeks. Well, I think it's a joke. I mean, I mean this is a guy, this is a guy who put out a picture of a mylar balloon um <laughs> claimed it was an alien spacecraft. You know, I, I mean I I really never heard of the guy. Uh I guess he was in a band called Blink 182 who I have heard of and I I never 
listen to their music. My girlfriend, uh, a while back, about a year ago, did play me a few of their songs, and now I know why I never listened to it. Oh, but my. he's a musician. Right. Okay? He's a musician who's a fanboy. He's right. not a UFO researcher, and, and he's not a serious UFO researcher. And there are a lot of us in the community, me, people like Dolan, people like Linda Moulton Howe, who are serious. And, um, you know, I think everybody sees the money and all the shiny stuff and, you know, thinks that they're important. But I don't – I don't – I mean, it's, it's really ended up embarrassing us as a community because we embrace this guy without any, really asking any questions. Well, like, who's working for you? And what are, what are, what's their background? How much experience do they have? How are you going to vet things? Um, you know, all the guy had to do is take that image and put it in, you know, put it in the tin eye and he would have known that it's all over the web and it's not a UFO. It's a mylar balloon. And it's like, that because we embrace this guy, now the rest of us look stupid. And that's that's the biggest reason why I get mad about stuff and why I confront people, not publicly very often, although I do do that. It's because I'm like, you know, we all have a we all have a responsibility to the rest of us to not make the rest of us look like idiots. That's that's the minimum you can do. You know, first do no harm, right? To the community. First sure. do no harm. So I don't have a very high opinion of it. Um, it does seem kind of like a, um, money making thing. You know, he's not really putting that much of his own money into it. Um, he says he has contacts. Maybe he does. I'm not too impressed with them, nor am I impressed with the things that have, that have come out. So, including the Mylar balloon, which was not the only thing, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, I think your opinion is uh, pretty spot on and it's kind of echoes, uh, the rest of what other people have been saying lately about that whole incident going on there. But I, Yeah, but I, mm-hmm. you know the problem the problem is is that is that we had we had to look you know we ended up looking like idiots before people finally started saying something about it. So it's like I I don't know, just the fact that he was so immediately embraced by people but some of the people is just it, it, it's disappointing to me. People that, you know, they're just I guess I guess there's some folks that have shows like yours that are just interested in attracting listeners, viewers, and making money. Oh, well, so of course. They'll of course. jump on anything. Yeah, that's the way it goes. And here on this program, I do like to have some fun. And but and, and to that regard, though, I do like to tell the truth as much as humanly possible here. I like to be completely transparent. And being that we are very transparent here, I've been to plenty of conferences. You've lectured at plenty of conferences. Um, we, we've been to plenty of these things over the years, and I can't help but feel plenty of these people that walk around and, and give talks at various conferences. I don't think a lot of them are genuine, to be completely honest with you, Mike. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I can't say. I don't mean to, that, you know, I don't mean to name names here and burn any more bridges, well, but you know, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of true though, but. To be honest, Mike, I already burned plenty of bridges the last five years. So it's not a big right. problem. Not a big problem to me. But, right, I, right. you know, I see names like Jaime Mazan or Mazan, whatever. and Mazan. Mazan. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've known that name since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And anytime I've heard that name, I already knew what was going on with him. Mm-hmm. And um, all these people seem to keep keeping him around. Not a good well, look. Yeah, and I mean, the next time I see some of them, I'm going to kind of ask them why they got involved with this guy because, I mean, look, wasn't, wasn't the, 
the um, the Roswell slides embarrassing enough from him. Now we got to come back a year later with this That's... idiotic <laughs> Gaia fake mummy bullshit out of Peru, and it, you know, I'm glad it's we're like, on the God, same. Th- th- I'm glad we're on the same page here because all these things I was going to ask you about, but yes. Well, I mean, it almost it almost ruined Dolan's career and Don Schmidt, who you know, who's a guy that I really like, and I think he's a you know very serious, genuine guy. And I like him too. He's a in- nice guy. Yeah, and they got involved with this, and it's just like they ended up looking like idiots because it was that's true. You know, it was just a human mummy. Twenty five dollars to to yeah. view that. So wow. I mean, you know, there are people, and I, I I hesitate to name names, but there are I, there are people that I you know, I, I guess what I'd like to do is is just to tell people who I'm not talking about. Okay, I'm not talking about David Wilcock, who is a very sweet man, very bright intelligent person and i know a lot of people don't like him um but he's always been wonderful to me and i think he's very serious about what he does you i find don't him, think you find him credible i uh, yeah i mean on mm-hmm. a lot of things yeah i do and and the things i disagree with him on are just the things i disagree with him on there's nobody in this community i agree with 100 percent. oh of course not um including you know mr hoagland who i wrote a book with years ago so it's like um i and I don't pay I don't pay super close attention to everything he says either. But every time I've been around him, I've experienced him as a as a very genuine human being, a very serious um, researcher, and an incredibly bright guy who's brought forward some really really important information. Um, so that's that's a guy I really like. And you know, I mean, Linda is very thorough and very smart and and fun to be around and stan friedman of course is the gold standard for how you do things like this dr bob wood who's a documents expert is a is a wonderful man and very serious and super smart and people like schmidt and you know dolan and i have had our differences over the years but i think a lot of that was a misunderstanding i i definitely back most of his work at this point but you know i mean there's there's a lot of people that i don't that you know they have egos and things get involved and and um that's a big problem in our community too, really, is, is the fact that people end up, um, you know, when somebody like DeLong comes along, there's a lot of jealousy and everybody wants to tear him down. I mean, Bob Lazar got torn apart when he first appeared. That's true. On the scene by the UFO community. And right. I, I will tell you this about Lazar. I've never met him, but I can tell you as an aerospace engineer that he is not a cook or a garbage man at Area 51. This guy is either is either a, a scientist, a physicist, or an engineer. Uh, you know, I can just tell by the way he talks, the phrases he uses, the things that he knows, the the depth of his intellect. So say anything you want about Lazar, um, he's he's not a fake in terms of that stuff. And I can totally believe that they would erase his identity um, as he says that they did. You know, so it's like I. I, I just and, and I look at how he got treated by people, and it's just really, um, really unpleasant. And the reason that he got treated badly is because he had a better story than they did. Yeah, they kind of know? buried him way back in the '90s. Yeah, or they tried to, and um, you know, he kind of eventually sort of gave up and stopped talking. But I, I, you know, I'd love—he's a guy I'd love to see back on the circuit because I think he he has a great story to tell that's that's important for people to hear because it might be true. You're right about that. And I tried to sort of convince John Lear to give me his contact last time I talked to John. Yeah. I'm still working on it, though. Well, there's a couple of different John Lear Facebook pages, and I'm not sure if the one that interacts with me is really the real one or not. Well, John, John's been on the program. 
Yeah. Well, I I can't. I'd love to. Like, you want to talk to him or what? With him. Yeah. Next time. I just don't, here, here's I'm never what sure if the guy I'm talking to on Facebook is actually the real John Lear. Because there's a lot of people out there in person. Yeah, that's true. Well, here's what I'll do, Mike. I'll bring in John Lear and I'll have you a co-host with me. Oh, that'd be wonderful. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be I'd fun. Love to, love to talk. I'd love to exchange some some moon pictures and things and talk about them. So yeah, we could do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. There, now going back to Richard Hoagland, wh- what's going on with him? When's the last time you talked to him? Are you in good standing with him, or is there a little friction there, Mike? The last time we talked, I, I think you might not have been. Well, I mean, not from my perspective. There's no friction. Ah, okay. okay. Um, no problem. Apparently there is with him. Oh, and that's not you good. You know, I, 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 people occasionally send me things that he says about me on his um, tiny audience little radio program that he's got. And, um, you know, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I seem to be on better terms with his girlfriend, um, Robin, than than with him. But, I mean, I, I've never said anything bad about him in public. I'm not going to. Um, I, you know, I mean, I think that uh, I, I, but I haven't spoken to him in years, to be honest. Oh, so, really? I thought you, you might know. have interacted with no. him more recently. No, and I don't I don't really at this point have much need to because I'm really not oh, I'm really kind of off doing my own thing and I'm really not so much in his direction. Although, you know, talk to the folks over at Ancient Aliens, they pretty much have me pigeonholed to the moon, Mars, NASA guys. So <laughs> I keep telling them, but I can talk about all these other things too. I I wrote a book about the Mayans. I wrote a book about the Egyptians, see? You're gonna tell you know. we're gonna talk to William Henry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. William's got a lot of pull over there. Yeah, you gotta ask that yeah. guy. Yeah, and well deserved. Well deserved. He's a he's a great guy. Great. Yeah, researcher. I like too. William and his. Yeah, wife. another one I should have mentioned. Great people, people that I like is is Mr. Henry is uh, really on top of things. Yeah, so. I, I dig him. Great guy. And um, yeah, lots lots happening in the UFO community. Lots of in in house fighting going on. That's kind of what's been going on a, a, a lot lately, right? Right. And the thing is, you know, again, I, I did write this book back in 2010 called The Choice. And in it, I told everybody that there would be polarization and conflict. And that, I mean, our community is not exempt from that during this because of the physical changes going on in the solar system and into our, and that's affecting our consciousness. And I, I've told people this is going to be going on until at least 2023, maybe even beyond that. And so all this chaos and transition that you see this is all i'm sitting there going yeah i pretty much predicted this yeah i pretty much predicted that the one thing that i've predicted that hasn't come true in that book yet is still to happen but it it seems like we're on the brink of it um but as part and parcel to that i mean i think that the conflict going on within our community is is the same it's the same thing i think everybody's kind of picking sides and we're we're struggling with belief systems and double checking what we believe and who we believe in and um, I just think our community's experiencing the same thing. You know, I think it's, I think it's probably time for some people to move on and, um, and we'll see what happens with, uh, with the future. Lots of other names to go over, but one that comes to mind immediately is Corey Good. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I've, I've never personally heard too much of a story. I've had other people, you know, third hand information, that sort of thing. And, but I haven't really dug too deep into it. All I know is something about blue aliens. That's all I really heard. Yeah, the the blue avians. Um, okay, so on Corey, a lot of people like to slag off on Corey, and I get it because he's very popular and he draws really big crowds. Um, and you know, again, I think a lot of that is jealousy. I will say this about him: is that I didn't really know what to think about him in terms of him personally. 
but I've met him now uh, twice, and he is a super nice guy. I mean, he's just a really super nice guy, appears to be very genuine, and I would have a beer with him anytime. I mean, I think he's a, he's a great guy. Now, having said that about him personally, that I believe in his, you know, his integrity, I, I believe in that. I get no sense from him that he's making anything up at all. Um, and I, I would never really question that. But I mean, as a person, I feel like I'm dealing with a genuine person when I'm dealing with him. And as far as his, his information, well, he, he, honestly, he has no proof of any of it. And I think he would even acknowledge that. He's just saying, this is my story, you know, take it. Take it for what it is. Take it or leave it. I'm, I'm a guy who doesn't like to say things unless I feel like I can prove it or at least I can, I can back it up to a great extent. And, you know, Corey's not doing that. And uh, that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but gosh, that's just the way things are. You know, I mean, that's, that's the nature of his story. Now, um, I have been told by people that I do like and I do trust that do have some inside information that, you know, the stories that he tells about civilizations living inside the earth and hollowed out taverns and things are, are true, are real, that there's actually two civilizations living inside the earth of beings that are not necessarily human. And, um, now would I go around and talk about that or, or give people details? No, I've never been down there. I've never seen the installations. I've never, you know, I can't back that up. But I have been told that. So I found it interesting that without any connection to Corey, that other people came forward to me and 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 talked to me about this stuff, kind of like not associated with him. So, you know, that's what I'll say about his information. I I can't I, I can't back up any of it. But right. um but I, I don't get any sense from him that he's um on an ego trip or he's a scam artist or he's trying to you know, he's trying to uh, lead people in the wrong direction. I don't get any sense of that at I all hear you. from him. Yeah, I can't really say myself because I haven't really spent too much time looking up anything he talks about. However, in regards to a secret space program, I sort of feel like there's no doubt something of that nature existed. Uh, you could just look at something like Project Horizon, as you always talk about, Mike, mm-hmm. and, and well, so yeah. forth. Yeah. There's all sorts of, of things like that. Uh, that would lead one to believe that there definitely is uh, a secret space program, Mike. Well, I wrote, a, you know, I wrote a book last year called Hidden Agenda, and it was called subtitle was NASA and the Secret Space Program. And what I wanted to do is because there was all this information out there about secret space programs, I wanted to look at it and say, okay, how much information is there really that this is a thing, or that it could have been a thing, or that it was at one time a thing. And what I found out in just digging through the background was that there was a lot more than I expected. There was a lot of stuff going on, especially in the post-war period, research into field drive propulsion systems. Werner von Braun was involved in that. The Germans were obviously working on very high-level, advanced, super-physical um, craft at the end of the war. And there were American inventors. There was people like T. Townsend Brown, who was onto something, I think, with his research. And ended up, um, it, you know, it all kind of culminated in the 1950s with, with aerospace companies like Hughes and, you know, the type of companies I used to work for, openly asking and advertising for people to work on anti-gravity propulsion systems. And then in 1958, Brown makes a presentation to the, some, uh, the military, to the Navy and the Defense Department and says, I want to make an American flying saucer and here's how I think we can do it. 
And they take his report, I think it was called Project 17, take his report, say thank you very much, and then all of that public anti-gravity stuff just ceases. All the papers and the journals are all stopped. Everything is withdrawn. They're not advertising for people. It just goes black. And to me, that's an indication that, yeah, they felt like they'd made a breakthrough. They were on to something. And they moved on, you know, I think they moved on from there and built some of these spacecraft that we see in some of these space shuttle videos, which are just really extraordinary. So I, I think there's definitely nuts and bolts. There's definitely uh, evidence, proof that, that we have or had a secret space program at one time. And as far as Mars is concerned, I've talked to several people about this. Um, even one, Robert David Steele, who's been on this program, he did mention colonies being on Mars. I'm not sure why he did, but uh, that that caused a bit of a, a bit of an issue between him and Alex Jones. Um, I don't think he's allowed back on his program anymore after that. Yeah, um, I don't remember that. I didn't follow that particular story or that particular guy. I don't know that guy. Um, but people do say this, and you know, I mean, I, there are stories that that some of the astronauts, early Mercury, Apollo, Gemini astronauts were, you know, complaining about the rickety, crappy rockets they had to go up in versus uh, the, you know, the amazing stuff that the secret space program had, and they'd already been to the moon and already been to Mars and all this stuff. And, and you know, certainly the truth is, is that we had the capacity technologically, even in the 1960s, to set up a permanent base on the moon if we wanted to. It could have been done. And there's, you know, no reason to think it was not done at all. So um, I guess where I stand on that is maybe, probably, but... It's possible. We don't have, well, I would say probable, but Maybe. we don't have, we don't have any proof of it right now. That's, I don't, yeah. I don't think the stuff that I look at in the Apollo photos that have been publicly released, I don't think any of that stuff is any of our secret bases. I think that's old, old technology, old civilizations that don't exist anymore that left, you know, left some really amazing stuff behind. Yeah. Robert, uh, Brandenburg, I believe, talks about that too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does. Yes. John, you mean John? John Brandenburg. Brandenburg. I why did I yeah. call him Robert? Yeah, I don't know. My goodness. I think there was a physicist here. named Robert Brandenburg or something along mm. those lines. Probably, probably, yes. I'm thinking of multiple people here, but yes, uh, that's always been fascinating. The subject of Mars, of course, going back to, I think it was Michael Carr back in the 70s. Didn't he say something during the orbiter, uh, the Viking 2 orbiter, right? Uh, he saw some weird photos up there. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, there was, um, there were, there were those kinds of reports. There was, uh, a lot of astronauts had UFO experiences up there that they mostly didn't talk about. So it was that kind of thing. What a time to be alive. And another issue here, Mike, that people always mention anytime, um, I, I hear your name mentioned or even myself when I mentioned you'd be on the program, lots of folks wanted me to ask you about the moon landing and if that actually happened. What do you think? <laughs> um, okay. I, I realize most of this is from people who are too young to remember the moon landings. People love this, and by the way. And I, I will tell you that I cover this extensively in my new book, which is coming out soon, Ancient Aliens and JFK, because you can't really talk about JFK without talking about NASA and the space program and Apollo. And I cover um, two different aspects of that uh conspiracy theory and what i will tell you in a simple answer is flatly yes we went to the moon no question about it none of the arguments against it stand up to even the most basic scrutiny 
And it's, there's absolutely was nothing holding us back from going to the moon except, um, you know, our own human frailties. And it, and as it turned out, we did a wonderful job. We got most of the crews, we got all the crews back and we, you know, we, we were six out of six out of seven on, um, on landing and walking on the moon, which I think is extremely impressive considering the technology that we were working with at the time. I think it's phenomenal. And so there's absolutely no question in my mind that we went to the moon to answer that question. And I will lay it out point by point by point in uh, in my new book, Ancient Aliens and JFK, which should be coming out by the end of the month. I want to read that now. Well, yeah, you should. That sounds good. Yeah, it's going to be a great book. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, no problem. By the way, going back to the TV show Ancient Aliens, holy crap, I can't believe it's been around that long. You would think, I know. You would think they would run out of material by now, right? Well, I mean, no, because there's always, you know, look, you've only got an hour, and an hour of TV in with all the advertising today is only 42 minutes. Is there any one subject you can cover in 42 minutes? No, no. not in any great depth or detail. So no. I think they've done three or four Mars episodes, three or four Moon episodes. I mean, we could keep going back, and I keep giving them new stuff. I said, you know, we could talk about this, we could talk about that. Um we could talk about ancient aliens and, and physics and, you know, can the light barrier be broken and all kinds of things we could talk about. So I, I think, you know, the thing about the show that's really amazing is the, the quality of it is still so good. It's not jump the shark at all. When I, I, you know, when I do interviews for them, I mean, they, they ask me tough questions. They, they press me. They really try to get to the depth of these things. Um, and just do a wonderful job. And you know, you watch the show and it's so brilliantly edited and pieced together and the narrative is so strong and, and the visual effects are just off the scale. And, and to me, it's like, it's a fantastic show. It's like a f- cultural phenomenon. And I think it's just going to continue on until history decides they don't want to make it anymore. I don't see the ratings really dropping ever because people are still going to be fascinated by this. Oh yeah. I give that show plenty of credit for opening uh, doors to a completely new audience since uh yeah. many people yeah. thought the subject of UFOs was kind of uh, kind of done by now however that's not true no i i agree with you it's not true and and um you know honestly i think that that the every season that they do has the the possibility of being the best season that they've ever done because i just i just see consistent quality and that goes down to people like the executive producer like like uh david silver who's just a wonderful guy to work with who's an, an amazing producer and just runs the ship with such precision that it's um it's just really off the scale how good it is and i think as long as you have guys like that there aren't changes in upper level management at either the network or or prometheus i think you're going to continue to just get you know, a wonderful, wonderful show. And um, honestly, I think we should do an episode on Kubrick's Odyssey, don't you? I think we should do an episode on the whole Stanley Kubrick fake the moon landings thing because that's an entire Would they big allow long that? chapter in my new book all by itself. Would they allow that, though? I, I mean, don't know. Would they dedicate yeah. themselves to a whole program on that? Why not? It'd be it fun. It'd be great. Yeah. I think it would be great, and I could I could break down the whole thing for them. <laughs> But the problem is, the problem is, is that my conclusion is that the idea that Stanley Kubrick filmed the moon landings is utterly ridiculous. And that's not really what Ancient Aliens wants. Ancient Aliens wants to get to a point where they haven't, it's an open question, you know? True. And so I don't think that would really fit. That I, I might end up being, I might end up being more successful on Skeptics TV than I would be on, on uh, Ancient Aliens for that one, so. Well, I mean, they did do an episode <laughs> on zombies, so. That's true. I hadn't 
really known that. Was there an Aliens and Zombies episode? Uh, something of that nature, if I recall. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't watch it. I just saw the, the name there, and I just thought, oh, yeah, I don't know what to say about that one. but No, no. Yeah. Well, there was one they were going to do Good Aliens times. in the Old West when there was, uh, what was it, Cowboys and Aliens? <laughs> they, yeah, they, they called me up and I, they did do I that. said, they did do can't, that. Help you, <laughs> can't help you with that one, guys. I just, I got nothing. <laughs> so that was one word. How can you even be on that episode and talk about that subject with a straight face? Well, I mean, I don't know. I I, I didn't see the episode, oh, really. I don't think I watched that one. Um, I only watch the ones that I'm in, actually. So um, that's I not true. I watch them all. I watch them all the time. Sometimes I just there and I'm like, why am I not in this one? And um, so you know, I don't know. I, I'm not going to trash the episode. I think I I don't know. I'll have to sit down and watch it at some point. I think it's season five or six or something, isn't it? Well, make sure you have a beer in hand for that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a rough ride. <laughs> well, it's just not my area. I just you know I don't. The old West, that that period of history just doesn't fascinate me at all. Now, if they wanted to do aliens and the Bible or aliens and Romans, I'd be totally down with that because I'm totally into that period. Of Jesus stuff, is but... kind of like a zombie. Yeah, it could be. That's going to offend people, by the way. What? what? What I just said. But that that's oh. okay. That's that's the point of the program. Sometimes you're going to have to step on a few toes, Mike. I'm stepping on toes all over the place tonight. I mean, Love I just that. trashed. Love that. Tom, Tom DeLonghi, and uh, I like to call him Tom DeLonghi because he's got Lange. that extra E on his <laughs> name. And um, fake alien mummy. Well, you, you know, Mike, I think I'm you, kind of Mike. Like, I, I think you deserved it. I mean, you've taken plenty of shots throughout the what throughout the past ten years. Uh, blog sites, all, all sorts of websites. You just Google your name, and all sorts of people well, are trashing you, Mike. So the thing is, no, there's not all sorts of people. It's actually one, is it one guy, possibly two guys, and they're psychopaths. And I mean, they are crazy. Like they have threatened to physically attack me. And they, I really think oh it's, no. I really think it's just the one nut bag. But there might be a second one. I'm not sure. There might be a second one. But it's like they create all these different websites and try to make it look like there's all these people that are attacking me. And it's really just one guy. They, they really, they really don't ideas. like you, Mike. It seems like you've done something horrible to them. Well, I, I have. I've humiliated them and made them look like idiots repeatedly. So, you know, everything they say about me is a freaking lie. Can I say, can I F-bomb on this show? Is this internet radio? You could, you could say whatever you want here. It's totally fine. Okay, everything they said about me is a fucking lie. So, you know, I mean, it's pretty. And the thing is, I just reached a point three or four years ago where it's like, okay, you know, I respond to this. I took about a dozen of my responses to them and, you know, and, and a couple other people they tried to hook up with. And I laid it out and I said, look, you know, if you read this stuff about me on the internet, just go here and read all this stuff. And I mean, you know, you can only you can only prove somebody wrong so many times. And then it's like, what's the point? I simply don't have any time or energy to waste on on that anymore. So I just don't even bother. I've blocked them completely from everything. I'd never see anything they put up anymore. So I assume that they, you know, lurk around all my different pages. They're probably criticizing me now for creating an Instagram for my cat, which I did recently. So I see nothing wrong with the cat. No, the lady Aurora, by the way, on Instagram. Look her up. Thirty-three. That's uh, that's her name that's her, uh, on Instagram. So very cool. I thought I thought she deserved her own Instagram. I just did. That's a good choice. And, and going back to the whole zombie discussion, if I remember correctly, you are a Walking uh, Dead fan, aren't you? <laughs> Not anymore. Sarcasm. <laughs> yes. Well, it's God. I mean, do you watch it? I just think it's. I, I tried. I tried, Mike. You know, I gave it a big shot there the last season, but just totally not interested. 
it, it's it's like these long, boring, it's too slow, long. sweaty Georgia conversations about philosophy, and it's like well, I thought this was a zombie show, you know. And I mean, I, know, I think yes. the first year, year and a half before Shane died was terrific. And I think it was still pretty good for a while after that. And then it's just become, it's almost become a parody of itself. It's so awful. And yet the problem is I'm so invested with all this time that I have to at least watch it until Negan dies. You know, I at least have to watch it until Jeff, Jeffrey D. Morgan gets killed. But God, when is that going to be? They're dragging that out forever, too. Aren't you disappointed, Mike? It seems like we have less and less... Uh, fewer television television shows and movies now that are uh, well for instance there's no good like a uh, movie about aliens really there hasn't been one in so long and same with bigfoot have you ever tried watching a movie on bigfoot they they've all been so awful well i'm uh i'm currently working with a producer on a script for a bigfoot movie so. oh my god are you so hang on hang on to your hats on that one will there be aliens in in, in there well no that they're not in this script, but maybe in the sequel when we figure out <laughs> why the Sasquatches turned on us the way they did. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll put aliens in it. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that, but you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting till I get paid to do the sequel before I start thinking about the sequel. Smart so, move. Smart move. <laughs> yeah, that's what I try to do. So who knows? Maybe there will ultimately be a zombie movie or TV movie out there. Um, not a zombie, but a Sasquatch movie or, or uh, out there. Uh, there needs to be that. And yeah, I mean, the last really good alien film was Dark Skies with, uh, um, J.K. Simmons. Is that his name? Was in it. And, uh, that was the last real alien abduction film that was ever, that was done. Yeah, it wasn't, and that's it wasn't awful. Five or six years ago. Yeah, it might have been six years ago now. It wasn't that awful. It was all right. No, I thought it was pretty good. It was a little dark, but it was Dark Skies. That was what it was called. So, um, yeah, 2013, directed by Scott Stewart. I thought it was a pretty good movie. But, again, there has been nothing since then. It really hasn't. It's, you know, I mean, really... all, we ha- all we have now are these comic book movies, oh, which God. just pull things out of their rear ends. And we have so many. They're so politically correct, and they're so dumb. God, I watched Justice League the other night, and it was just awful. It was just beyond awful. I mean, it was so bad. And I'm like, why do these things keep making money? And I mean, I realize Justice League didn't make as much money as a lot of other comic book movies, but um, I just can't bring myself to go to them anymore because it seems to me like I know exactly what's going to happen. And I, you know, yeah. I, I've already seen this movie 20 times. So that same old that's formula, just, man. It, it's it's god awful. Well, it's not even. It's not even. I mean, even when you have a formula, they can't seem to make it work anymore. I mean, what the last comic book movie that was decent was uh, The Dark Knight Rises, probably. And, um, the rest of them have just been, just been absolute crap. So, yet they make ridiculous amounts of money. So, the Comic Con culture is here, and it doesn't have very high standards. It being very low standards. Well, I mean, I wonder what you could do, what, what would happen if you made a really good, um, a really good sci-fi or comic book movie. It's a good question. But uh, I mean, I've actually seen some pretty good TV shows. I mean, I've seen some pretty good stuff streaming. I, I stream Travelers on, I think it's Netflix. And that is a really excellent show. I mean, story's you know, already story's already bullshit. What's that? I said story's already bullshit. <laughs> story's already bullshit. Why is that? I'm joking. I'm joking. No, um, I, I thought you know I thought it was really excellently done. Um, the only thing that I will say I don't like about it is when I watch an adult show on a premium network, 
I expect, you know, nudity, and there's none. <laughs> but it's a, I'm joking. Well, but that's it's a, a really good, good sci-fi show. Well, that's a, really a good, good compl- that's a good complaint. Yeah, well, it is. And it, it's a good sci-fi show, and it's, um, it's really pretty imaginative, and it didn't really keep me guessing. I mean, I guessed a few times, but there were a couple times I was fooled. And the you know the acting and the writing and the direction are top notch. And Eric, uh, God, what's his name? Um, the star of the show. He's in Will and Grace. I think he's Will. What's his name? Eric, um, the actor's name. I'm on IMDb. I guess I should just look it up. Um, yeah, but go ahead. As um, at, you know, he stars as a guy who's, who takes over the body. Of Eric McCormick uh, takes over the body um, of a uh, of an FBI agent, and he looks so much like Duchovny in the X Files that I just I can't get over it. I keep thinking I'm looking at keep thinking I'm looking at an episode of the X Files. So that was a good show. And then I Altered Carbon started out really really. Speaking of shows with boobs, that one's got plenty of it, folks. Um, but it it started out pretty slow, but then it picked up, and by the end of it, I was. I was, you know, I was engaged. I thought that was a good show. So there's, there's stuff out there, but it's all on, on, um, I think kind of obscure, oh, okay. uh, channels. Counterpart. Did you watch Counterpart? Counterpart was really good with the aforementioned J.K. Simmons. I did hear it, but I didn't, I heard it was good, but I didn't get to watch it. Oh, I would pick it up. It's an interesting show with a sci-fi, uh, flavor to it. It's not purely sci-fi. It's more espionage, but it's pretty good. Yeah. I'll take a watch. Watch yeah. it too. Right. By the way, another good show that, Goes under the radar is the preacher. That was a, a oh, fun show. Really, I haven't seen that one. Who's uh, who's the star of that one? Um, well, you know that was a direct by who was that? Seth Rogen, I think it was. Oh, okay, all right. And it, it has a few actors in there that are kind of. I don't think they're that known. However, some of the, some of the people in there. Is, okay, what? Uh, wow, I don't know. I'm not finding it. Is you sure that's the name of it? Yeah, it's called Preacher. Oh, Preacher. Just Preacher. Yeah. Yeah, I think you would like that. Oh, 2016. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at oh. the cast now, and I'm like, I don't think you're gonna be familiar with any of these people. Most people won't, unless you're really, Dominic. unless you're really watching this. Yeah, Dominic Cooper. I think I may know who that that is. He, yeah, no, there's a yeah, he, he's cast. yeah, he's been in like plenty of movies, but he's always that that uh, character that you really, you know, you see him, but you you don't really think much of him. He's kind of like a character actor. Mm-hmm. But now he's he's getting the credit he deserves, getting those good roles now. Yeah, yeah, good good for him, good for him. Okay, and so what uh, service is that on? I'm looking at it here. That reminds me, the movie he did come out in that was pretty badass was called The Devil's uh, Double. Oh really? Okay. Well, all right, I'll have to see. Saddam. I'll, I'll have to watch this one. He plays a uh, Saddam Hussein's uh, double. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, I remember that. Movie. Love this movie. Yeah, it's pretty, um, pretty amazing that one. That oh, was yes. like, wow, what a horrible life to live, huh? Uh, no kidding. By the way, did you see, uh, Sarah Silverman shooting up, uh, YouTube's headquarters? <laughs> that woman <laughs> looks like Sarah Silverman, don't you think? A little, little bit. Kind of, right? So, did, well, did you hear the latest is that? What's the people, latest? Well, then, first of all, that com- the mainstream media has completely dropped it, which means it's a story you should pay attention to. When they found out she was, you know, Persian with an Iranian name, probably Muslim, uh, and then other people are saying they think she used to be a guy, and there's pictures of her apparently as a guy, so that she's a transsexual on top of that. So, um, really not the narrative they want of the, you know, white male NRA, uh, member, who, by the way, people, if you don't know this, know there's never been a mass shooting by a member of the NRA ever. So, as far as we know. So, anyway, um, there's that, uh, 
that aspect of it. That's the latest thing is that apparently, um, that, and that, that of course may be why the reason why that she, he, she, she, uh, is no longer discussed in the news. You Sorry, think she's been dropped. You think the shooter was a transgendered, uh, individual? Is well, that... that's what people are saying. And they're showing pictures of her apparently before she had her change over as a man. Oh, so, okay. I didn't, man. I didn't see that, but she definitely, well, he definitely has a strange figure. Yeah, it's not trending on Twitter anymore. So, ah. <laughs> you know, I think that's really the biggest danger we're facing right now is the censorship of social media and, and by the technology companies, really. Well, Facebook is reading every every message you send, and they're reading everything. But I mean, they've been reading your text messages on any device you have and listening to your conversation uh, from everywhere. Even this conversation here is being listened to. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I, although we're not interesting enough, I don't think, for anybody to really do anything bad to us, do you? No, but, I mean, all all these things are on record. And they could pull them up and get that that easy. Even though yeah. they claim it's not, uh, that's a bit of a lie. Most people don't know I keep know trying that. to drink water. I keep trying to drink some water. I'm sorry, but I, uh, there's like... Oh, go ahead. On this, ver- oh, on this version of Skype, there's apparently no mute button, or at least I can't seem to find it. So, anyway. I hope you're not on the um, new version of, of Skype, by the way. It's awful. The new one? Yeah, I am. Oh it's, no. Yeah, it's it just shows the logo of your show, and there's like no mute button. There's no way for me to control the conversation. Oh, it's trying to take a picture of me. Okay, good. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So that's the latest information. Um, are you there? I'm here. I'm just there wondering about uh, when when does all this sort of thing end? It, it seems like we have this huge issue here in America with. Uh, the shootings that keep occurring here, it's almost like the new normal. I say this on every program now. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of these are staged. I mean, let's face it. We, we know that these things are, are, um, <clears throat> are, are being staged. They're being arranged. They're, um, CIA ops. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that there was, um, this guy QAnon who may or may not have a, you know, be a real, a real person inside the White House. I think it was QAnon. Uh, posted about two weeks before the Las Vegas shooting to not go to Vegas. And if you do, do not be outside in large crowds and basically said something's going to happen. And, you know, a week or two later, it did happen. So a lot of these events are staged. That thing, that Vegas case is the strangest case ever. And I just think what's going on is there's a war behind the scenes. And, and you know, we're not we're not seeing all of it. We're seeing some of it publicly. Um because Trump is getting out there and, you know, forcing the issue with a lot of this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to lead to more polarization and conflict and, and until some of the rumored things that are supposed to go down actually start happening, if in fact they do. You're probably right. How do you feel about President Trump? Where do you grade, uh, where, where do you grade him? He's been in office a, a while now. Yeah. How do I grade him? Yeah. How do you grade him? Like, in a through like A through, well, you know, the regular standard procedure of how I you would grade anyone. I think they should uh, carve out a spot for him on Mount Rushmore is how I feel about him. So A plus. I think I've waited, I think, my entire life for somebody to come along and just speak bluntly to people about the reality of the situation that we're in. And he pretty much does this, and he's made – very few mistakes, and most of the mistakes he's, he's made have turned out to be actually games, ploys by him to sucker people in to making mistakes. And honestly, I think he's running circles around the people um, 
the the people in the government, the deep state, that are bluntly trying to kill him. I think they've given up trying to stop him, and now they're just going to try to kill him. And I, I think he's a very courageous person for doing this and taking all the flack that he's taking. Um, so, I, I mean, I you know, look, I, I think in terms of policy, I think we need to close our southern border. We have all kinds of drugs and money coming in, illegal money, funds coming in through that southern border. And it is funding the bad guys, the cabal, the Bushes, the Clintons, the the uh, the Obamas, the the people, George Soros, the people that represent the, um, in my opinion, the true evil in the world. And he's fighting them. And, and you know, I think I support that. And I and I mean, tax cuts. Who doesn't love a tax cut? And so you know, I'm I, I think all these things are good. The economy's moving along much stronger than it was the last eight years. And um, you know, I I do support. His agenda, and I, I don't have any problems with him personally. I mean, who didn't know that the guy was a billionaire playboy before this? A bit of a wild did, man. You know, so it's like people that don't like him, it's a personal thing or it's a political thing where just anybody who's, quote, conservative is got to be evil. Well, he's not very conservative. He never has been. He's hired hired a lot of uh, blacks and women and, and and gay people in his organizations for decades, way before it was popular. So – you know, I mean, he's he's basically he's basically a social liberal for the most part, and a financial conservative, and I, I think that's a you know that's a pretty good mix. So you know, at this point, I I think you know here's the thing: there's a lot of people in our community that are hippies, and hippies believe certain things, lots most of hippies, which yes. are wrong and have been proven wrong decades ago, but they continue to believe in them because it's their whole worldview it's their it's their agenda it's what they've been taught to believe or hope to believe so um that worldview is taking a beating right now and this has generated an awful lot of anger and angst among the people whose worldview is taking a beating i mean you look at the sun the sun is quiet as hell and you know we're, we've, we've still got snow we're having more snowstorms in the middle of april on the east coast and that kind of blows the whole global warming thing right that blows the whole global warming agenda so um, part of all that is that we've already had significant disclosure, right? We've had the JFK assassination papers documents released, and it appears sometime this month we're scheduled to get even more. And so here's the thing. People that say that they want disclosure but hate Trump, I don't see how you can you can do that because the only way you're going to get disclosure is through Trump. The deep state, the people who are his enemies – are the people who have kept all these secrets for decades, for 60 or 70 years or even longer than that. So it's like you can't – you can't. to my mind, I don't see how you can hate Trump and want disclosure because the only way you're going to get it is if Trump forces things out into the open because he's the only guy and his allies, and he's backed, I hear, by the Marines and a few other people. Um, that's the only way you're going to get any disclosure, and I think we've had more disclosure really – in the last year and a half, year and a few months since he's been president than we've had in the previous 20 or 30 years before that. I mean, the same people who hate Trump loved Obama, and we had him for eight years, and what did we get out of him? Nothing. So I think he's our last best hope to get the, to get to the tr truth of some of these things. But as I said earlier, be careful what you wish for because you're not going to like some of the truth that's going to come out. It's going to be more than just aliens. It's going to be a lot of other stuff you're going to find quite unpleasant and uncomfortable. By the way, you mentioned a few names there. Um, lots of people want to see certain individuals 
get arrested, go to jail over some of these things. But are are we really going to see that, though? It's almost like no one ever gets arrested anymore. Well, that's a good question, and I don't know the answer. I'm waiting just like everybody else. I know that there are rumors, which appear to be solid based on some people's research, that there are all these sealed indictments out there, and many of them are considered to be of prominent people, <clears throat> people that you would know. For instance, Tony Podesta, John Podesta's brother, has apparently disappeared from the face of the earth. Nobody can seem to find the guy. Uh, Hillary was walking around first with an ankle bracelet, and now she's got a wrist thing on, and everybody's like, well, is she wearing a monitor? I mean, has she already been – is it catch and release? Have they already caught these people, brought them in, questioned them, charged them? Strapped a, a, a bracelet on. Remember John McCain? He switched. He switched the uh, walking boot. I saw that. On his feet. I wasn't sure if that was a real photo or not, but it is a real. It's photo. a real yeah, photo. I've, I've I've done it. It's it's a real photo. Hmm. And weird. And it's like you know, <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, so until the big some of the big names actually get arrested. We don't know, we, we won't know if any of this stuff is true. And, but I hear other people say, well, that's not going to happen that way. You're going to see a bunch of the little people around them get picked off first. And that does seem to be happening. I mean, you, you know, you look at, we're in an unprecedented period of resignations and retires, retirements from Congress, from corporate boards, CEOs. I mean, we're seeing literally massive amounts of people Dropping from their positions of power and privilege, leaving. And it seems like, it seems like that that is part of this, you know, swamp draining that's going on. And maybe it is. I mean, look at all the actors and celebrities that have gone down in the last year, year and a half. A it's, it's quite extraordinary. And, you know, there's a website called backpage.com, which is, um, I was, which is a, it's funny you, man, it's funny you mentioned that I was going to, I was going to talk about that on the second half of this program. But yeah, backpage.com, my goodness. I have a friend of mine who actually uh, used that website a few times, and he was trying to get me to do that one day. And I, <laughs> I was like, "Dude, I'm I'm way too paranoid for any of that." Yeah, way too um, paranoid. But it's been seized by the government, you know, because there's been child trafficking going on, and there's there's see what I mean? Classifieds. There's men seeking women, hookups, that kind of thing. There's stuff going on there that's not illegal, but there's other stuff going on that is apparently illegal. And then you go back and you look at Trump's tweets, talking about. He's going to go after the child traffickers. You know, he says that. And then this happens. The government seizes it. And and there are executive orders on the White House website specifically detailing what they're going to do to go after these child traffickers. And child trafficking arrests are way up under Trump. So, um, you know, it seems yeah, like, yeah, thing. there's a pattern emerging here. And it's being followed. Now, what's your opinion on uh, Stormy Daniels? That's that's a big uh, discussion still nowadays. I well. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I met Stormy Daniels once. Is she a nice woman? At a party in L.A., Lexi Tyler's birthday party in 2007, right about the time this was all happening. And, you know, I've met her. There's there's somewhere on my computer buried, there's a picture of me and her at Lexi Tyler's birthday party, just like there's a picture of her and Donald Trump. Right. Um, I didn't fuck her either, so. <laughs> well, I would have given you credit uh, if you did. Yeah, I would have. I would, like, definitely be bragging about that if it did happen. And that was back when she was really hot too. Uh, so she's yeah. still she's still not that bad. Oh, she's, for an she's older an woman. She's, she's still an pretty, attractive woman. She's still Her pretty good looking. Are, uh, pupils are a little dilated for my taste, but well, that's for um, having a good time, Mike. You know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. 
But, you know, I, I don't know. It's possible it happened. It's not outside of Trump's character. Trump has made no secret of, you know, who uh, the fact that he liked to date a lot of women and have sex with them. I, isn't that part of the reason why you want to be a billionaire? That's In true. To get, to right? get six. I mean, <clears throat> that's part of the reason. That's and, true. um, so it could have happened, but I think there's two things that, that, you know, make me wonder whether it really did happen. Number one, um, a woman who was a friend of hers and did spend a lot of time with her during that period released some uh, images of screen caps of a supposed messenger exchanges between her and, and Stormy where she denied ever having sex with Trump, that it was purely a business meeting. And she also put out a statement through her lawyer where she said it never happened, which she signed as Stormy Daniels rather than Stephanie Clifford, which is her real name. Um, but I th- it seems like she's kind of, danced around the issue a little bit to a certain extent. And, you know, she's just basically exploited this to make, um, to make some money. And, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's, uh, what happened, but I don't, it, it's not going to change my opinion of Trump or change my support for him. And I think the people putting this out thought it was going to really hurt him with the evangelicals. And that's, that there's, that's not going to happen because the, the evangelical voters did not vote for Trump because they thought he was a choir boy or because he thought they were ju- that he was just like them. They voted for him, number one, because they felt like he was sympathetic to them and their community, which he is. He respects their lifestyle, even if he can't live it himself. And the other thing is that they made a determination that whatever his flaws, he was a far more moral person than either Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton. And that's why they support him. And so stuff like this is not going to change that. It's not. Yeah, I don't so see how I, it... I think I think it's a politic, you know, the politic politicization of it, um, you know, and I think it was just, they were trying to create a wedge between him and the evangelical community, and I don't I don't think it worked, and so we'll see. I mean, I don't know. There's uh, there's a lot of rumors out there about different stuff, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, true. I'm with you on that one. One thing I'm not with is with that pope. The damn Pope. What's with the Vatican? It seems like every day there's a new story coming out now. And there, well, was, there was another one, I think, uh, just a couple hours ago. Oh, really? Another child pornography probe going on. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, the the Vatican has become, I think, totally corrupted at this point. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not good. And I mean, you know. A diplomat, uh, a diplomat at, at its uh, embassy in Washington is uh, suspected of possessing child pornography. I mean, does it oh, really, really, does oh, it yeah. really surprise yeah. you though? Right. Well, the thing is, is that this is, <coughs> excuse me, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about when I'm, <coughs> excuse me, talking about disclosure is that you're getting a lot of disclosure, um, on, a, on a lot of different stuff and things are coming out and people are being arrested. They're just, not, you know, it's just, it's not Hillary or John McCain being perp walked off in, in chains in an orange jumpsuit, you well, know? We, so it's like, we did get Anthony like, Weiner though, expecting. by the way. Sorry, what? I, I was just saying, we did get Anthony Weiner, though. Anthony Weiner, yeah. Well, Anthony kind of, <laughs> Tony Weiner kind of, uh, so kind of made it impossible to ignore him. And, you know, it, 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 he was, he was hard to ignore. Well, with that name. So, right. Especially, yeah, Weiner. It should have been Anthony Small. Weiner, your your but, name is you know. your destiny. Yes. Your name is your destiny. Um, so anyway, you know, we have, we've had that arrest. I think that the, what we, what we find out about the Vatican is going to be appalling to people when it all comes out so terrible you know and i mean this is not just one side of the aisle or the other but it is predominantly more on one side than the other i will say that in terms of how this comes down politically but we we need to stop um 
I think we, if we're going to survive this period without a civil war, we need to stop the whole left-right Democrat-Republican thing and just realize that there's good guys and bad guys. And up to this point, there have been far more bad guys than there have been good guys. There's some insane people on both sides that get just – they just get triggered if they find out you're a Republican or a Democrat, yeah. they they just go nuts, and then they won't even listen to a word you say. That, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I'm trying to point out to mm-hmm. people that you know Trump is your best shot for disclosure because the people that are against him are the people that have been keeping the secrets from us for 70 years, and just even that message, which I felt like was really neutral, you know, just set people off. So you know, I don't know what I can do about it except except you know try to just point point facts out to people you meant you mentioned the civil war it definitely seems like that's happening here in today's society everyone is completely divided more so than ever and yes all these shootings they, they don't help especially like you were mentioning mentioning with the nra um do you carry a gun mike at all do you do you even own a gun um the first question i will not answer the second question is yes the answer is yes i own more than one gun same here and, you know, I support anybody's right to do so. So I'm with you on that. Any opinion on, on David Hogg and his battle with <laughs> Laura Ingram? Well, you're just, you're just trying to drag me into the dirt here. Of course, I guess none of this is stuff I haven't tweeted about. Well, so this is fun. Call, this is fun you, discussion here with you. Yeah. Um, you know, look, he's a plant. I mean, he's, his dad works for the FBI. He's a, he's a crisis actor in a sense that he was groomed for this. He's, Loves the camera. He's contradicted himself on whether he was even at the school or not when the shooting took place. Um, and he's a little twerp. And, you know, I mean, I think Laura Ingram made a huge mistake when she apologized for mocking his terrible, um, terrible <laughs> college scores, college SAT scores and, and his GPA. Um, but, you know, it looks like she's going to survive that. And, you know, not that I think she's particularly worth watching or anything but um <clears throat> you know look it's very obvious this whole thing is a very orchestrated campaign to try to convince people to support the idea of taking away our guns the fortunate thing is that the constitution is a law that simply doesn't allow any government to take our guns away um i even think all the gun con- any gun control is i don't want to be too libertarian but any gun control is a violation of the second amendment they shouldn't be able to restrict anything guns or ammo or anything else and so, you know, I um, I think it's just an orchestrated attempt to try to sway public opinion. But, you know, fortunately, we're protected by the fact that the Constitution exists and it says we can have guns. And you go beyond that. Um, the important thing to understand is that that our rights do not descend from government. They descend from God and no government can overrule the word of God. So I think the distortion that's gone on here recently about, you know, what government has a right to do and not do are um, in in our country are is is pretty out of pretty outrageous really it it truly is and one thing i did want to mention before i let you go here um is human origin well human origins rather i've always been curious what your stance was on that and where you think we came from mike well my stance is I would equate it to Lloyd Pye. Do so you remember Lloyd Pye? He was wrote a great book called Everything You Know Is Wrong. Right. No? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful guy. Passed away several years ago. Um, 
So I'm I'm into the intervention theory. And the other thing too is like talk about human origins. The origin of what? The origin of the spirit or the origin of the body that you inhabit? I mean, really, this is just a body you inhabit. Frankly, I wish mine had better gallbladder, but um, it doesn't. <clears throat> and I think that we are spliced together genetically between an alien race that came here um, a long time ago, maybe hundreds of thousands of years ago, who are quite similar to Sitchin's Anunnaki, except I don't believe they were physical giants, like he talks about. And they spliced together their DNA with the DNA of the inhabitants, maybe Homo sapiens, Homo erectus, I don't know, maybe Neanderthals, spliced them together and made us because they they did need us here to help them out. And, you know, I mean, I don't think that makes us a slave race. I don't think they're coming back to claim their property. I don't think we're anybody's property. I think that we're um, – there's a big difference between a, a slave and a servant. And we may have been initially created, but now we have our own independence and we're going our own way. So that's what I think happened. I mean, I think that basically the Sitchin story is basically correct. And that's, that's what I wrote about in my last book, which was uh, two books ago, Ancient Aliens and Secret Societies. I talked about that a lot. Very nice. Very nice. And, of course, you will be attending – Contact in the Desert very shortly, correct? Contact in the Desert is in June. I actually have a bunch of things coming out. Well, first of all, I've got a, a new novel out called Lightbringer, which I just put out, which is sort of an X-Files meets the Da Vinci Code thing. And if you want to go with that, it's only seven ninety nine for the paperback and I think two ninety nine for the Kindle on Amazon.com. So go pick that up. It's a very entertaining read, I promise you. Um, I've got, you know, Hidden Agenda was my most recent book about the Secret Space Program, and I've got this new book, Ancient Aliens and JFK, coming out uh, probably by, by May 1st. So it'll probably be in the next three weeks. I've got to finish it this week and get it to the publisher. And then, um, yeah, I've got uh, the New Living Expo at the end of the month in San Mateo, California, which will be a really great event there. It's always wonderful to do that. I have the Alien Con coming up in May, which is the Ancient Aliens thing. I'm happy to be invited to that. That'll be spectacular. And then the Contact in the Desert, and then um, which is in our first weekend in June. And then I'm off to Manchester, England, the home of my beloved Manchester City Football Club. And um, to do Awakening Manchester with Eric Von Daniken and David Icke and Nick Pope. I like to say Nick's voice, that, Nick's name that way. Nick Pope and uh, <laughs> a bunch of other people. So it ought to be that ought to be just an amazing, wonderful experience. It's going to be a great summer, and I'm I'm looking forward to all that stuff. And please come see me and chat me up uh, at any of these events. So you've got San Mateo, Pasadena, um, Palm Springs. And Manchester coming up. You're a busy man. Uh, oh, and I forgot. I'm sorry. Sedona, Sedona, oh. Mufon is also in May. I'm doing Mufon, Sedona in May in Sedona, Arizona. Greatly looking forward to that one. My God, Mike, you're you're one busy one busy man. Well, I've been spending the first three months of the year writing the books, and now I'm ready to get out and and talk about it. I can, I'm looking forward to it. Very cool. Well, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. Always fun to have you here. Always fun to talk to you. Any Well, anytime I've ever talked to you, I was in a good mood. And I'm continuing that. Well, I'm usually drunk, so that's probably why well, I'm pretty entertaining when I'm drunk. <laughs> you're, you're a good guy, Mike. Love, <laughs> love having you here. We're going to have to do a part two of this um, when you return from all, all your travels. Okay, Michael. Thank you very much for having me on. Talk oh, to you soon. Oh, by the way, go ahead and plug your website before you go. Oh, it's MikeBarra.blogspot.com. Um, you can catch me on Facebook. You can catch me on Twitter, on MikeBarra33. I tend to be a little more political on Twitter and Facebook than I should be. I'm gonna. I'm trying to wean myself off of that. 
Um, but it's out there. And then, uh, my Instagram is, uh, also Mike Barra 33. And it's just, uh, that's, pr- I, I try to I try to keep that just, just personal. If you're interested in what it's like to be, uh, me, very cool. <laughs> whoever I, whoever I am. Thanks, Michael. All right, Mike, take care. Good night. Thank you. Night. Bye-bye. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was Mr. Mike Barra. And when I return, Mike Hideous will be joining me here live. Stay tuned, folks. Don't go anywhere. Mike in Montclair. What's up, Mike? Governor, next time you want to sit on a beach that is closed to the entire world except you, yeah. you put your fat ass in a car and go hey. to one that's open to all your constituents. Uh, well, you know, not just you and yours. Interesting, Mike. You know what? That What's beach, that? that? What's beach, that, Gov? You know, Mike. I love I love getting calls from communists in Montclair. Communists in Montclair. Montclair. You know, you're a bully, you governor, are, no, no, and I don't like bullies. You know what? And listen, I'm not the one who came on the air. Hey, hold on, Mike. Mike, I'm not the guy who came on the air, swore on the air. Who swore? And so you did. Get the heck out yeah, of here. You know, you're swearing on the air, Mike. You're 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 a bum. And welcome back to the program. Hello out there. Often imitated, never duplicated. So nice to see so many of you out there still locked in. Thanks for being here with me tonight. I believe my second guest is ready. Let's bring him in. None other than Mr. Mike Hideous. Mike, how are you? Hey there, Michael. Can you hear me all right? Loud and clear. All right. I'm here, brother. I'm so glad you could be here, my friend. Well, I just want to say uh, thank you. As always, it's always uh, a blast to be on your show and i always uh really appreciate your letting me share the internet airwaves with you thank you michael no worries no worries it's been some time since um since we've last talked so i'm glad we could finally do this yet again and excuse me why uh i opened this beer (laughs) yeah i think the last time we spoke was when we did um a getting drunk on the air uh episode i'm doing that right now Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for those right. out there, for those out there that are new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to you now. My name is Michael. I am the host and producer of this very unique program. Never forget that this is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in if your heart desires. That number is 760-332-8724. I'm here live with the one and only Mr. Uh, Mike Hideous. Hello. That's me. One more time, 760-332-8724. Don't be afraid. Call in if you dare. Now, Mike, <laughs> how how you been, man? I haven't talked to you in a while. Is is everything going well for you, my friend? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, well, one of the the big pieces of news that I have uh, for Empire Hideous fans, if there's anybody out there, um, is that I released a new effort in, uh, on January 1st, actually the New Year's Day. Um, uh, I've released a project that I did 20 years ago. Um, it was, uh, released on January 1st this year, 2018, 20 years ago to the day. It was recorded in 1998, um, in, uh, it was recorded live, a live recording session for another album that I had put out uh, with Empire Hideous back around the same time, right after uh, that whole Misfits thing went down, called uh, so the album was called Victim Destroys Assailant. And the songs that were featured on that album uh, were all from the recording session that we did 20 years ago on New Year's Day, 1998. And we did about, oh, we must have did about 25 songs that day. 
And out of 25 songs, we only picked, I think it was 10, uh, to be on the Victim Destroys Assailant album. The rest were never released because they just never fit anything we had coming out. So, uh, I decided to release the certain, uh, a certain portion of songs. I picked 14 songs ah. to be featured on this, uh, this new downloadable album only. It is entitled The January Sessions 1998. And, uh, it is available exclusively at, um, mikehideous.com. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's all downloadable. It's not a physical CD. Uh, the last physical CD I released was actually in 2000, I think it was 2010, uh, called The Time Has Come, which right. was a studio album. But I've released two others after that. And, uh, so yeah, they said it couldn't be done, but here it is. That was a great last CD, by the way. Thank you very the much. Time I has come. It. Really do love that. And, uh, these newer tracks are really good, by the way. But, you know, I, I have a favorite, of course. That's track 14, God and I. That's, that's my favorite song on there. You know, uh, and thank you very much. That was, that was mine too. Um, the, uh, the version that's on there is one of two versions that were recorded that day. Uh, the other version ended up on the album, uh, Victim Destroys Assailant. And, um, uh, you can hear the, like, with this new, the, the way the January sessions was released, it's released in its raw form. And there's nothing, I mean, we played live that day in the studio. Uh, we were there for, oh my god, uh, 12 hours maybe? <laughs> um, and we recorded 25 songs, in some cases repeating the same song over and over again until we got it right. So everything was done live, and the difference between like what you hear when you, when you listen to the song God and I from the other album, right. uh, Victim, Victim Destroys Assailant, it's slightly more produced. Um, you know, we had a little bit more lean way to work with and everything, but this particular album, I basically just found, I found the DAT tape that we recorded all the original music on, and, uh, it was in my musical archives, and I just pulled it out. Uh, I had a friend of mine, um, from Washington State actually transpose it from DAT to a digital format, um, and then I got to listen to all the songs. I picked out what was going to be played, or I should say p- placed on the album, and, uh, and that's how we got what we got. But you can hear the difference. It, it's definitely more raw sounding, very, very naked, if you will. Yeah, you have a number of great songs on there. Thank you very much. Um, it's uh, 20 years in the making. And how did that come about? You just randomly found this around your house somewhere? Yeah, basically, yeah, basically, I, I keep um, a lot of my uh, recording, master recordings, uh, even demos, I'll, I keep everything, you know, everything that I've done with the band. And, um, uh, I had, I have a, a couple of like these big plastic totes. Uh, they have everything from like reel to reel tapes to cassette tapes to dats to CDs, videos. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So looking through it, I found the dat. I was like, Oh, geez, uh, it's been a long time since I've listened to this. Like, I can't believe it's like 20 years, 20 years ago. It's, it's unbelievable. So, uh, I mean, how time flies. The know? time has come. It time has come and the time has flown and only time will tell because it's just a matter of time. <laughs> oh, yes. So, but yeah, it's, um, it's been 20 years, man. I can't believe it's been that long and it's out now and 
that's it. That's, I don't know what much more to say about that. <laughs> yes, and before we get into anything else, can you go ahead and, and tell us just a, a little bit about yourself, Mike, for those who are new, uh, new listening here, since there are new ears always tuning in nowadays. Sure, I feel like, uh, sure, I'm not actually quite used to the to the process of having to do that with when I come on the show. So I'm actually, <laughs> I got it all figured out here. Um, yeah, Mike Hideous, uh, I was in a band called, I was in a couple bands. Uh, my first band uh, was a band I created called the Empire Hideous, uh, a very dark, heavy, gothic rock type band. Um, and then I did that for about 10 years. Um, then I hooked up with uh, the Misfits. Uh, I sang for the Misfits on tour. Uh, in all of Europe and South America. Uh, that was a short period of time, though. That was only about five months. Um, and then after that, I came back to America. I did um, I did a band called Spy Society 99, and um, that was more of a that was more of a upbeat punk rock kind of band. And uh, I did that until. Uh, for about two years, three years, and then I revived Empire Hideous again. Um, in between that time, but actually before I started up Empire Hideous again, I also sang on um, for another band, uh, a side project called uh, the Bronx Casket Company with uh, D.D. Verney from Overkill. So there's been there's been about four bands that I've I've sang for, and um, but mostly my band was Empire Hideous. That that's me and Spy Society. Heaven Raining Bullets is also another favorite of mine. Yes, that's uh, that was actually one of our. I hate to say the like word for lack of a better term, one of our hits. <laughs> uh, that and, a, and another song, Two Minutes to Midnight, uh, which was both fe- they were both featured on an album called Say Your Prayers. That came out in two thousand two or three, I think. And I've always wondered, were you going through anything when you wrote the song God and I? Um, well, to be perfectly honest with you, whenever I write, uh, material, uh, particularly lyrically, there, it's always, there's always a, a, a source of inspiration that comes from the writing. And then I've always had an ability to allow the listener to interpret that as their own, um, in their own way. Uh, so yeah, when I wrote God and I, I, I was having it, it, some people think it's a struggle between like um uh you know like spirituality and other people think it's a it's, other people have even said is this song about S&M? Oh, I didn't think that when I heard it. <laughs> well, well, you know there's a lot of there are like some comments um uh, comments there are some lyrics that that mention um you know like torture and and and, and right, um, yeah. So, you know, it I can see it's, that. It's how you take it. It's how you, it, when you read the lyrics, it's how you interpret them. Um, but every song I write has an inspiration from the beginning. And as I said, and then I change it around a bit so that it fits a more generalistic, uh, type of, um, understanding or meaning for the, for the listener. Yeah. I could only imagine back it's, in those, uh, back in that time for you. Those were good times, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, they were for me. I, I, crazy times for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, nine, nineteen, like nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety eight. Empire Hideous was like on. It was really doing good in 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 all aspects of the word. Um, 
and we uh we got a lot of recognition like we were one we were doing shows in new york as an unsigned band you know with no record label or any financial backing we were doing shows to like you know like a thousand people and sold out gigs i mean that was pretty good um uh and it, it all happened from 94 to to 98 and then things you know as usual in many bands they just sort of dissipate or fade away or break apart and that's exactly what happened and things started to go haywire but uh, you know a, a, a tour when you don't have a when you're not doing it professionally like on a tour bus a tour in a van and a car can really um separate the boys from the men so to speak um it really can become stressful people can you know and and eventually you really learn who it is you're with on tour and i think the last tour that empire hideous did in 1997 um was was it 97 yeah 97 it was very stressful for a lot of the people involved and uh, we had you know very little money in fact we had no money uh we were just getting guarantees from the shows that we were doing and from the nice people that were kind enough to book us um but uh it really it creates a lot of stress and then therefore that created a lot of issues between people and well, by the time we got back you know one person was leaving yeah uh, then, that you know. that that shit must be hard mike the road having to deal with with someone next to you there that you may or may not like after the tour's over <laughs> yeah we did a show um back in 1990 I believe it was 93. We did uh, a West Coast California tour. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, we did. Here. We were we were one of the first bands involved with three other bands to do the first American Goth Fest. Uh it was dubbed the Pilgrimage Tour and it inc- it included the following bands. Um DK pro- What's that? DK? No. No, no, no. It it involved um This Ascension, The Shroud, and the prophetess. Ah. Uh, and these were all in California bands. And, uh, originally we were trying to get London after midnight to be a part of it too, which was a really big band, um, in the goth scene on the West coast, but they never, they never did it. So in any event, um, we were the, f- we were involved in that with those four other bands. We were, we were the first four bands to do the first American goth fest in America. And, um, uh, after that, like our reputation began to grow. And, um, what I was going to say, what my point was is after we came back from that tour, our drummer split, like, he like went into the studio, took his stuff and just left. Wow. We didn't even know it until he just you know, booked it. Yeah. Right after, right after the tour, we came oh, back, no. um, like we got off the plane, he got a ride home. We never heard from him again. <laughs> just <laughs> that like was that. the end of that. Wow. Yeah. I was pissed, man. I was fucking pissed, but. You know, so I, again, it all goes back to some people saying that I'm very difficult to work with, but I'm a perfectionist when it comes to getting my music played and performed, uh, the way I want it. So at the time, the drummer I had was a little, he didn't like me telling him what to do. I so. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. I yeah he just got fed up with me and left after we got back. It's always the drummers, though, I've noticed. I've, I've played <laughs> yes. in mul- you know, I played in multiple bands, and there's always issues with the goddamn drummer. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Even at a, even at a small, like, a, a, a small band like I was in, you know, we had all these 
all these uh, invites to play in, in bars in San Diego, but we got held back because of the, the damn drummer. Yep. I, I've lost more drummers, and I've been in more situations because of drummers. Um, uh, I could I, I could just go on. But then, you know, then again, I always had a lot of trouble with keeping musicians in the band. Um one of the few musicians, the, the several few musicians that lasted as long as they did were um, Jeff Austin, Mars, uh, and Eve Lestrange. Uh, Jeff was a guitarist, uh, Mars was a guitarist, and Eve was a bassist. And they stayed with me the longest. I believe they were with me for um, Mars and Eve were with me from 1993 until 98, and Jeff joined up about 1994. Yeah, for some people, that's too long. Yeah, yeah. You know how it goes with musicians. Even, even then, but even when we, when we came back in the new millennium, uh, in 2002, two, two or three, I can't remember now. When we came back, Jeff reformed with us, like, you know, he joined the band again, and then he stayed until about 2005, and, uh, and then he stepped out as well. I see. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. You had a pretty good run though. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. Um, you know, the older I get and I look back at the way things were done a decade ago, in fact, over a decade ago, uh, because I actually retired from music in 2008. So it, it'll be, it was 10 years this past February that I, I, I threw in the towel. And, uh, you know, I've seen things changed. Uh, they, they've just changed. It's not the same. The internet wasn't, I mean, the internet was, out and there, but when we started and, you know, in the late eighties and all through the nineties, we didn't really have the, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have, you know, and of a, course, a, right. Yeah. We didn't have an, an availability to put our music online or sell it ourselves. Um, you know, back then the whole idea was to find a record label to back you up. Now you got record labels closing left and right because of the internet. But even bands like yours, uh, Mike, those bands today would just not survive. No. no you know what I mean? Really not commercial. But you know what I mean? It's just today music has changed dramatically. Rock Absolutely. bands, you know, there's there there are no rock bands anymore. And the ones that that are out there, I don't um, I don't even consider those rock bands. Even though they're they're on that genre, alleged they're, they're that's rock. I don't well, even consider them rock. Who are we talking uh, about, Michael? There was a, a band just recently on a, a station that I, I like that's in San Diego. I'm forgetting their name, but they're they're getting a little, you know, they're they're getting some attention and I'm thinking this band's awful. But now, <laughs> now I just I I lost I had I had the name in my head and then it it just drifted away. <laughs> well, I'll think I mean, about it. Th- Don't worry. There are there are plenty of rock bands out there like you still have the the great bands, you know, the big bands that are still out there. But I, b- I believe a lot of the new genre that is coming out is this cross between like rock and hip hop and rap, and I, uh, I, I don't know, I, I just can't get into it. I think country's done that too. When I listen to yep. certain talk shows on, on AM, every yep. now and then I'll listen to. They'll have like some sort of bumper music, and it's some country song, and it, and it sounds like a rap song in a way. Yeah, I'm like, I know, the, I, I'm like, what the fuck I, is this? I hear it too, <laughs> and uh, it, it's I'm like, what is this? You know, there's a few bands that are coming out here and there, like from the underground, but very few of them have drummers these days. It's all beatbox material. Um, 
and very few, very little of it is musically inclined. Um, and by that, I mean it's all synthesizer. You know, it's all programmed, looped. Uh, I'm not cable. a big fan. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that either. The electronic music, I, I just don't dig it. I can appreciate some of it. Like, believe it or not, I actually can get into some techno and some electronic stuff. But well, I mean, that's been around forever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can understand that, but it's not really my cup of tea. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's not my, I don't listen, I can only listen to it for a certain period of time, and then after that I gotta listen to like actual instruments. If only you're on acid, right Mike? <laughs> then, it, then it would help. <laughs> but, uh, you know, listening to like, you know, if I, like, it reminds me of when I was a teenager and I was into like hardcore punk. Like I could only listen to that like maybe five hours a day, and then after a while I used to have to put on like a classical album. I, I never, I, I never understood some of my friends that I had that just listened to nothing but punk rock, I'd be like, it gets kind of old after a while, don't you think? <laughs> I would tell them that. And later on in life, they, you know, they changed and they understood what I meant. And uh, speaking of which, one of those people that I'm thinking about, um, I wasn't even going to talk about this with you, Mike, but I might as well. I was in a band with, with this uh, friend of mine and you know, he was the singer of the band and you know, love punk music and everything was good. I figured that's all he would ever listen to. And nowadays he, he thinks he's like a rapper now. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. He even has like a tattoo on his face. On his face. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. I hope he doesn't get mad at me. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, I, it's I true don't, though. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I could never, I could never do rap. I could never get into that. Um, like I, I, I listen. We had this conversation last. Yeah, time. we we did. But don't get me wrong. I I like rap, but I nothing of today is just nothing I really like. It's just it's so played out. It's in every commercial. It's in every movie. It's on every television. You know, it's just so played out. And the worst part about it is that you get these, these, these. I don't know these people who are involved in the in business and they use rap music to, as a ploy to try to get the quote unquote, the young people in to their product, whatever right. it is they're selling, you know, that's when you know it's over Mike, when you hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And yet <laughs> it, it's still being pushed. It's still being pushed. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, it's so underground. It, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't even care. I don't even like it. I don't even like it. Yeah. That's how I feel about today's music and movies for the most part. <laughs> Yeah, some of the some of the movies are are getting. It's been getting done. It's been done to death. Mm -hmm. You really you really are beating a dead horse at at this time. Indeed, I I, I can't I, even I can't even believe there's people that that are still playing in bands, Mike. There's no <laughs> there's no money. That? There's no money in it. Oh, oh, well, there's yeah. Well, there never was any money in it. We never got any money. I mean, we we got paid for gigs, but just like this, sad. just like what I'm doing right now, there's no money in this either. There will be for you. So you there know what be. I mean? It's like it's you're you're beating a dead horse here. There will be for you, Michael. You'll see. I hear that a lot. Yeah, well, you got it, man. I'm I not seeing it though. Time. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, give it time. Just stick stick with your talent. Just keep doing what you're doing. You'll see. Yes. It, it'll come. It'll come. Now listen, I gotta mention go ahead, something. Go ahead. Uh, I don't mean to get off subject. It's all but good. There is um a friend of mine who is in a band um called Hades Machine. Uh, that's a great. Washington. That's a great name. Isn't it great? That's um, a great name. They are like a, a horror punk uh, rock band ah, from. Cool. Yeah, they're from Washington State, and um, 
he just released a, he's a good friend of mine and he just released a, a new CD called Dead of Night. And on the CD, he contacted me way before about, about what I'm, I'm going to tell you. He released the CD and on the CD, there is a cover song of an, a cover of an Empire Hideous song called, um, Open Windows. And that's an Empire Hideous song. And he covered that. And I'll tell you, it sounds amazing. It sounds better than the version that I did. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I just wanted to say, if anybody wants to hear that, if any Hideous fans are out there, check out Hades Machine, Dead of Night. Uh, it's out now on CD. And, uh, you know, you can go on Facebook and find it or on the Internet. Um, and uh, you can order a CD or T-shirts or even a, a pillow uh, with the um, Hades Machine logo and zombies on it. So, very yeah. nice. Pick your copy up today. Speaking of which, um, if anybody's interested in getting an Empire Hideous merchandise, um, there are CDs uh, available on my website, um, including the last three, which were released um, on CD. That is uh, Remixes Through Time, Spy Society 99 CD, which is a completely separate entity. Um, and uh, as I said before, the time has come. Those CDs are still available, as well as my book, which is still selling um, online as well. Yes, and by the way, I randomly watched the scene from American Nightmare. Okay, which scene was that? I think they were talking to, what's his face? Um, Steele. Bobby Steele? Bobby Steele, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, was that the one where he talks about puking on John Lennon? I believe so. Yeah, um, I've heard that a thousand times. I was that like was that his uh, claim to fame? <laughs> <laughs> well, not exactly. I feel um, like he Bob, told that story often. Yeah, he he did. <laughs> but I I I'm bored of it because I've heard it so many times on the film. So I I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Bobby and all, but uh, oh, I hear you. I, I get tired of hearing the story because I've seen the film so many times. But uh, Bobby in the day, back in the '70s when he was in the Misfits. Um, Bobby knew a lot of people. Uh, in fact, the day the Misfits kicked him out, uh, he was with Frank Zappa, uh, who he had brought to see the Misfits play at the Ritz. God, that's so random. Yeah, at the Ritz <laughs> in New York City. I think it was 1979 Good or Lord. 78. Wow. Yeah, something like that. And so he knew a lot of people. He was like the he was like the guy who stood out in the punk rock scene who then joined up with the Misfits. I mean, you know, he, he, he was the guy back then. He's still going at it, too, you know. Good for him. Speaking of punk rock, Jello, uh, his representative, hasn't gone back to me yet. Oh. I, I did I, hear I did hear from them once, though. So it might yeah. it might go down still. You never know. I, I, I would imagine if you keep persisting on it, like if you, if you stay persistent, you'll, you'll get him. He's, he's a decent guy. I mean, he's just busy, you know. He's like on television and yeah. doing He's doing saw, his thing. Did you see him on Portlandia? I sure did, actually. <laughs> Speaking of which, aren't, aren't aren't they on their last season, or is it over already? I thought there was a new one that just came out. I know there's a new the one finale. that came out. I haven't I haven't seen all the the the, the, the episodes, but uh, um, yeah, I got turned on to the first uh, the first I don't know seasons or episodes, whatever, and I I absolutely loved watching that show. It was so funny. It's a good show, actually. It is. What's the What's the guy's name? Who, who? Even uh, even Danzig's on there. 
Yeah, yeah, I saw Glenn Danzig on it too. That was hilarious. Like every time I think of it, he's like, in order to in order to stay cool, sometimes you must look like a dork or a geek, whatever he says. That's the last person I ever <laughs> imagined to be on there. Yeah, you you would think he was he would be too serious, but it's good to know he's got a sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> that's a guy who I would I would love to drink with. Who, Glenn or, or the guy in uh, Portland? Well, both, but I mean, Glenn would be hilarious. You think? Yeah, I, I, I think I could get him to laugh. He seems to have a, a good sense of humor. Yeah, dark. I, yeah, dark. dark. I was going to say he has a dark sense of humor, I bet you. What's the guy Obviously. who's on Portlandia? What's his name? Uh, we, oh, the the main guy? Yeah. He's um, like the, God, what's that dude's name? Oh, he's so funny. I think he up. must have been a musician or something in a band because, like, he knows he knows so much about the underground underground scene, and they're always, you know, portraying parts that his name's are, like Fred. I think it is Fred. That's right. That's right. Fred something. Um, and they're always doing parts like punk rockers, like beggars, like squatters on the street uh, yeah. asking for money. So, yeah. yeah I think, I, do you recall seeing the, those kids around when you were? In the New York scene, a bunch of squatter Absolutely. Pumps. Absolutely. They're, in fact, they were everywhere, right? <laughs> I got a story to tell you. One time I Go was ahead. on, Ave- I was on Avenue A in New York City with Avenue my friend a. Mark and, uh, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. And, you know, in the summertime, uh, things were really, it was a great time. You always had a lot of people out. Um, this was before 9-11 and things were just really nice. And I'm walking down the street and, I'm with Mark, and we walked past this one, like, we were, weren't far from St. Mark's place, and as I walked past, I saw a couple of punk rock squatters, and uh, one one guy ha- puts his hand up, he's like, hey man, you got a dollar for a beer? Now, don't get me wrong, every time I've ever, I have ever been in New York City, at, at least back then, anytime I saw a squatter and they asked me for money, I always gave them money, whether it was a dollar, a quarter, whatever I had, change, I always did. That day, I was really low on cash, and and it's not like I looked like some guy who was like, you know, this better-than-thou kind of person. I looked the part. You know, I was wearing my black clothes and my hat, and, you know, I was was part of the scene, if you will. And this guy, he looks like – I looked at him after he asks me for a dollar for a beer, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry, man. And he goes, oh, what's it going to do, break your wallet? (laughs) Like – I'm like, go back to New Jersey, you idiot. <laughs> I, I have uh, two funny two funny stories to tell you about the homeless. But before I do, Mike, I, I need to run to the fridge really fast. All right. Do you, do you mind um, saying a what few things like, here? Yeah, you want me to say something? Any, what do you want me to talk about? Any, any subject first. Uh, anything you want. Freedom of speech. Speaking of which, help, you're still – Help fe- me out. Help me out. You're, you know, you're still featured on the show's intro here on the program when you are mentioning how – they're taking away our freedom of speech. In the opening segment? Yeah. Yes. I truly I believe they are, and I know you know they are. Speak Who on are that. Talking for, about? <laughs> speak on that for a second. Well, everyone really, even even this program I do here, uh, in regards to YouTube, they sometimes just flag uh, this program every now and then, randomly. Really? Yeah, just really? randomly it seems. Even on subjects that I think they wouldn't even find. Uh, any interest in? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll explain that in a second. I'm going to run really quick. Go ahead. I'll be right back. I'm going to talk a little bit. Go um, ahead. Basically, uh, when I when I started when I first started my band Empire Hideous, it was about opening uh, opening doors 
and uh, going into places to expose things for what they are. And a lot of my material that I wrote was either political or religiously um, involved in, in that subject matter. Uh, and I always tried to, you know, blow the doors off of the things that were um, taboo or uh, hidden from the public. So that's that's where sort of like the name even came from, Empire Hideous. And uh, it it began to morph into to something that uh, became... Now I'm back. Go ahead. It, it, it morphed into something that became um, almost a quest to try to uh, expose things for what they are politically, religiously, uh, uh, personally, uh, opening up uh, the truth about love and hate and, and all of that. And just that's what the band was about. So to find out that there are still censorship going on, I mean, there's always going to be censorship going right. on, in my personal opinion. I mean, it's it's been happening recently. You know what's going on here? We got Big Brother watching you. Google. Oh yeah. Facebook, Amazon. Uh, what else? YouTube. eBay or, or YouTube. All these companies. When you open up your computer, there is a signal going directly to these companies. That we don't even realize, and it's letting them know what we watch, and and then they build up a statistic based on what you've watched, what you've spoken about, what you're looking for, what you're searching for, what you've bought, and there's this new thing out. Google just put out the uh, what the hell is it called? Um, is it Alexandria? No, it's oh Alexa. Uh, Alexa, yeah, but that's right. not um, that's not Google. I think. Uh, Google's got this thing where you, 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 it's a device. You put it in your house and it listens all the time. And when yeah, you that, say, Hey, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. You say, Hey, Google. And it answers and it says, you know, you say, Hey, Google, what time is it? And it gives you the time or Hey, Google, find this song. I mean, if that's not Big Brother, I don't know what is. I mean, that you've got a device in your home. That's also your cell phone too. That's on all the time. Yeah. And they can, I mean, if they wanted to, they can hear you. As a matter of fact, just, I think I forget when it was. I, I might have even talked to you about this. Samsung had a television that was able to like listen <laughs> or or something to that effect where they were able to listen in or get Correct. the information of what you were watching yeah. sent back to the headquarters of whoever commercially involved they were with. And I found that astounding. Like, how was that even legal? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And even going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, I was really into messing with computers. And I had learned to mess with something called uh, Trojan viruses. I won't get too deep into that, but I, I explored with that. And I was able to do some really interesting things. Uh, things that I thought at the time were pretty incredible, just like yeah. listening into people's, um, um, if they had a microphone, you could listen in or a webcam, you could turn it on, turn it on yourself, uh, remotely. Oh yeah. And this was stuff that I was able to do back in the late nineties. Were you a hacker? Um, uh, well, I, I guess I would, I would go with that title, but I, I wasn't really trying to do any of that, that sort of stuff, but I, I did. I'm not going to lie about that sort of thing, but. I, I experimented with that sort of thing way back in the day, and, See, that, that and I stopped. Me. Hey, I, I believe me, I, I stopped because I got scared after a while. 
But yeah, I was always really fascinated with, with some of the things that I could do. And then fast forward through time, finding out what, what actual government agencies can do. Now that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 it increases by the day with the, you know, constant upgrading of electronics and electronic devices. Like I know when I get programs on my phone, there are actually, uh, you actually have to turn the microphone off in some cases because it actually listens to what it is you're doing or saying. And I can't appreciate that at all. That's, that's just big brother that, you know, that's an invasion of my privacy and I don't go for that one bit. Even on my phone, when I send the message and use voice to text, even when the volume is all the way down, it still records what I'm saying. That should give everyone a hint. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though the volume is down, it still hears you. That's crazy. Isn't that I, I interesting? Don't... You know, the, it, there's a lot of great things that are in electronics these days. But oh, I, I fucking love it. You know, I'm addicted to. I do too. I'm addicted to all this stuff, all, all this shit. You know. Do you have the iPad, the iPhone? Yeah, the I, I have iPod. all that. I have all that stuff, even though I hate Apple. Really? I, I have an I have an Android phone actually, and I'll tell you why. As soon as Apple, um, as soon as they hijacked my phone and started putting in uh, that shitty band U2. Once they, they once they uploaded their album on my phone, I knew it was it was just it was too much. Now, they crossed the line. They, they crossed the line, Mike. Hang on, hang on. Now you said Go they ahead. uploaded that band to your phone. How and why? Be be specific. I don't know. I don't exactly know how they did it, but they were able to just one day out of the blue, their entire album was on my phone and on everyone else's phone too. Their new album. So it's. Obviously, what you've got here is a business deal between the band Correct. and or Correct. the record label mm-hmm. and and uh, Android that, that, or was it I, Apple? That, uh, yeah, Apple. It was through iTunes. Yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. they it, this is what all the top notch bands do. They're all connect. That's how they're making money these days. Not making money through record sales. They make money through selling themselves like Correct. Whores. Yeah, because I was gonna say there's there's like no money selling CDs anymore. No. No, there never it's was. O- it's uh, over. You know, like even in the day when you did make money, uh, royalties on CD or album sales, you made about five cents, which means you had to sell about 10 million copies in order to make like, you know, $100,000. There was no money in record sales. It was very, very little. The money was made in touring, um, other types of merchandise. Right. That you may have had like, you know, uh, a contract on where you got a certain percentage. But anyway, um, yeah, the, everything's changed now because now the big bands are, they even sell, they even sell their s- portions of their songs, like a rhythm or, or, or a guitar riff that is sold, um, for I, not iTunes, uh, GarageBand, which allows you to loop certain things to make your own songs. So you get, a guitar riff from, say, Jimmy Page or, from Led Zeppelin. Or Kiss. Or Kiss, whatever. Right. Um, and then you get a drum beat from, say, oh, I don't know, let's just say for argument's sake, Neil Peart from Rush. And then you get uh, a flute sound from, like, Carlos Takai, uh, you know, this Indian guy who plays flute. And then you can just make your own songs by looping all this stuff that other people have sold to GarageBand through Apple. That's how they make money. Yeah, because every other way is just gone. I'm sure you For the still. Most part. I'm sure you still remember 1999 when Napster first came out. 
I certainly do. I was pissed because they had my sure, stuff on too. I'm sure you were pissed. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not for nothing. I don't think a big band should even worry about something like that. But a small band like myself, um, you know, like obviously we weren't big, as big as Metallica, but a small band like myself, I put those records out on my own with my own money. So for it to be available on Napster and being sold for a profit, and I don't see a goddamn cent really pissed me off because that's I worked hard to make those CDs. So oh yeah, it, it's it's very excuse me, it's a very unfair uh, for an independent band to have it. Like right now, I my music every once in a while I'll come across a, a record um, uh, a website that is selling my CDs or downloads of my music. And I'm not making a dime. I'm not making anything. That's not good. No, it's not. I, I, you know, sometimes the old record label that I was involved with, they say that, oh, well, we sold them the rights to sell the downloads because apparently when I signed the contract for the record label that I was on last, um, I signed away, I think it was 50% of my publishing. And it, yeah, you gave her all your rights. It's fucking stupid. You know, it, it's, it's amazing how I, I give away my rights when no, none of those people were in the room when I wrote those songs or when I put the money down to record the CDs. It's like marriage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that. <laughs> good times, good times. I, that. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. My goodness. Yes. Yep. I, I just, God damn. I, I just get so sad when. I'm thinking about all these musicians who are just trying their 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 best to get noticed by labels, and it's just it's you're you're really beating a dead horse at this point. Oh yeah, don't even don't even try. Really, if that's your dream, just fucking give it up. That's right. Well, no, 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 no. Did you say give it up? No, 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 no. no. I would say give it up at this point. No, 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 no. You don't I, think I, so? I, no, I'll tell you. I'll you tell don't you think music? Thing. You don't think music has has just completely been an no. abomination? No, 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 no. There are still independent bands out there. Still Michael. good, you think? Absolutely. And they're working their asses off. I, my, my, um, my advice to them is never go out of your way to try to get a record label to sign you. If they want you, they'll come to you. Don't waste your money sending press kits to this label, that label, and the other thing. Just go out there and, and bust your ass with what you love doing. And if that's music, then go out there play a lot of shows, become noticed, build a following, go on tour. Going on tour is the best way to do yeah, The road. The road, absolutely. The road. you gotta, you got to just, like, put everything aside. You've got to have no attachments to home, and you've, you've got to just jump out on the road. And once you start doing it the first or second time, the third time comes easier. The fourth time comes even easier than that. And before you know it, you've got people calling you. Um, so yeah, never, never, if you're a new band, don't ever waste your money sending press kits to a record label. It's useless. And in fact, I don't think many people do it these days anyway, because they're online, uh, you know, hawking their shit online. So yeah, I don't think record labels even exist anymore. I just don't see how that is a viable option nowadays. It's the, not. The whole record label thing. There's only three, like there's only three major record labels left. I think it's Warner Brothers, Sony, and Capitol, or I, I could be wrong. I don't remember. Or Columbia, I don't remember. Um, and they, they used to have smaller subsidiary labels, you know, like, 
like Roadrunner was an affiliation of Warner Brothers, I believe. Um, what, whatever and, happened to that label? I, I honestly don't know. They were like, po- they, they were like popular in the mid 2000s and, and then they just fell off. And the 90s and the 80s. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, um, uh, what I was saying is that there's only like three major labels left and, all the smaller labels are gone. All the labels that signed bands like Typo Negative and, uh, the Deftones. And, right. Um, they're all, they're all falling away. They're, they're, they're falling away. And the only ones that are going to be left are the big giants. And the big giants are going to be putting out bands that the mainstream likes. All the shit you hear on mainstream radio. Top 40 crap. What's his fucking name? Wayne Conway or whatever the fuck his name is. That fucking asshole. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I don't. I don't actually. Oh, Conway something. The guy Conway. who says, I'm a genius. Uh, I'm a genius, yo. I'm looking at the top 100 billboard list right now. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with you. I don't think I've heard any of these songs. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I've been really Bullshit. been. I've, I've been only listening to like AM. So it's all shit, Mike. It's I don't listen shit. to any of this. Yeah, I can't stand it either. It's it's it gets worse and worse by the day, and it's it's all pumped into our heads from the radio, uh, ra- the radio, and yeah. Um, and, and when I do listen to the radio, it's just one radio station in, in San Diego that plays. You know, they play old music and new music, and then I hear this uh, one band, and I just think, God, this shit's awful. Yeah, I, I hear you. But it's the record. You know, it was always the radio stations that used to jam it down your throat. Oh, you're going to love this. Listen to this. Like it. And they would play it Jeez. over and over and over and over and over. And by the way, Mike, there there is a caller on the other line here. Oh, cool. Yeah, let's take that call. Caller, you are live on the air. What's going on? Hey, Mike, it's a pleasure to talk with you, man. Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, uh, how big of a douchebag asshole is Mike Ness? I heard some oh, pretty badass stories, man. Like, you know, like a, just a lame asshole. You know, I'm I'm so glad you called in because you did re- you just reminded me of, of a bunch of stories that one of my uncles used to tell me. Uh, I I had this one uncle who grew up in a very Jehovah Witness uh, orientated family. One of my uncles out in L.A. and my goodness, um, he you know he was into the scene and he he was able to see Mike Ness. And I think he even uh, interacted with him. And just like you said right now, complete asshole. Really? Just, I liked Mike. Just a complete dick. That, that's wow. all I, that, yeah. Maybe he was just in one of his moods. I don't know. But it's not the first time I heard someone say that about Mike Ness. Wow. <laughs> I never heard that, but. Yeah, it's true. You, who, who's the caller? Mike is his name? What's his name? Oh, no. Caller, what, what was your name, my friend? This is Chris. Oh, yeah. This is Chris. Chris, um, this is Mike Idiots. Um, I wanted to ask you, where did you hear this from? Well, this goes back a few years ago because I had a good friend of mine who uh, actually knew a couple of people in the band, and uh, they said that this guy was just a complete douchebag, man. (laughs) He's always been just not uh, just uh, to regular people, you know, just uh, being a douchebag backstage and everything. That's what I heard. Hey, man, I just wanted to tell you the greatest concert I went to, and I know I'm I'm really aging myself here, but uh, Day on the Green in Oakland, California, 
1985, man. The closing band was the Scorpions, and they had Y&T and Rat and uh, Metallica, and Cliff Burton was still oh, wow. playing, man. Greatest concert ever, Day on the Green. Did... Hey, thanks, Mike, man. You're great, man. Love you. Wow. By the way, did you hang out in the parking lot there? A lot of weed smoking, oh, man, yeah. in the Bay Area at that time. Day Love on the it. Green had some of the greatest concerts, man. Oakland, California, the Oakland Coliseum, where All the right. A's play right now. Some of the greatest, Mike. Nice. Mike, I love you, baby. I love you. And I love hey, you. I love hey, everybody. Man. Oh, this is great. Great show. Goodness. Thank you, guys. Hey, Chris, I love you, baby. Chris, 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 Chris. Don't go anywhere. I got I to gotta tell you something. Um, You got a minute? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Listen to this. I, I got to tell you something. You know, um, you bring this thing up about Mike Ness and everything. And I, I just wanted to tell you a little story. I'm a, I'm a fan of the monkeys. Okay. I don't, you know who they are, right? Yeah. Chris? Yeah. Okay. I went to go see them. Oh gosh. It must have been about two years ago, maybe. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was a child. I was a young man, a young boy when, 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 when I heard them, the monkeys. So I've seen them play twice already. And, uh, this one time they were playing at this horror convention in New Jersey. And just before were they, they were actually playing on, the instruments. Sorry. Were they actually playing their, the instruments themselves or? No, 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 no. I, I, what I'm trying to tell you is that how people are assholes. Um, so before they went on, I saw Peter Tork and I saw Mickey, uh, whatever his last name is, uh, uh, uh oh, whatever. So I'm, 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 I'm about, I wanted to walk up to them because I'm, I'm such a fan. I've been a fan since I was about eight years old. And, uh, I walk up, I go to walk up to Peter Tork and as I walk up to him, his bodyguard steps right in front of me. And Peter Tork literally turns around, turns his back to me, and and the 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 bodyguard gets in front. Of him, he's like, "Yeah, you don't want to bother him right now." I'm like, "Oh, okay. I I just wanted to shake his hand and just say I, you know, I really respect him." So when that didn't happen, uh, I walked away and I saw Mickey coming out of the men's room. And as Mickey was coming out of the men's room, I was like, "Hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey." And he just kept walking. He didn't turn around. He didn't look at me. He didn't stop. Nothing. Just kept walking. And I'm standing there like a total tool, waving like, "Hey, Mickey. Mickey. Hey, I really like your stuff." And he's just walking away from me. What I'm getting at is this. Sometimes these these musicians and and actors and anybody in show business, sometimes they get they have such an attitude, but it's what makes them who they are. For example, um, it's been in, in history. I mean, Beethoven. Look at Beethoven. Beethoven was an asshole to people, but he was a genius at music. And it, it happens a lot with a lot of different musicians uh, and actors, as I said. So Mike Ness might be – he might be what you're saying. I can't, I can't speak for something I don't know about, but it also might be what makes him who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You agree or no? Well, that makes that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I just know that the guy was a douchebag. That's all, you know. <laughs> and I heard a lot of stories. But uh, hey, anyways, uh, hey, did you guys do you guys remember a uh, God? What the hell was it? Um, uh, L.A. at the oh, Mike, help me out here. Um, a band yeah. that uh, I know you saw a lot in El Centro, probably down there a lot during your days when you're hanging out in the clubs down there. Uh, the, the Roxy. <laughs> the clubs. Remember that time when you were hanging down there? Um, but anyways, uh, I'll think of the name later. But anyways, hey, thanks, Mike, man. It was really, really a pleasure to speak to you. It's an honor. Uh, I really love musicians, and you have a lot of talent, man. And I just want to say thank you. Which Mike are you thanking? Both of you. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, thank th- you. Thanks I for really thanks for the call, Chris. Really appreciate you, you hanging out here with us, man. Party on, man. All right, take care, my friend. Take care, Chris. And there goes Chris, a listener of the program, great guy, uh, <laughs> saying that Mike Ness is an asshole. I thought he was going to say me. How come that guy Mike Hideous is an asshole? He's all Mike Hideous is a piece of shit. I hate Mike Hideous. I hate him. He's a terrible that man. Be the first time. <laughs> have you have you had people say that to you on stage? Uh, well, not on stage, but I I well. What, what's well, the worst thing anyone's ever called you on stage? Not on stage. Nothing's ever happened on stage. When I'm on stage, I'm kind of like. No Dang. one's like. No one's like ever heckled you pretty good there. Oh, I've been heckled, yeah, but you know the music's so loud that they usually can't be heard. Oh, after okay, that. they get drowned out. Yeah, but I hear. You. I mean, what was I gonna say? Um, I've had, I, I've gotten hate mail. Um, I've gotten plenty of hate mail from people who who don't like me. Um, but you know, what am I gonna do? You, I, I've I've yeah. said it a thousand times. You can't please everybody. You really can. And Mike, I, I did want to get into one issue here with you. Not that I have an issue with you, but I just, just <laughs> yeah. Just one thing that's been going on, of course, uh, is all these shootings that we're seeing here. Uh, we, we just had another shooting. This time it was a female. At the YouTube thing, yeah. At the YouTube thing. Apparently, I, I guess her channel had been censored to some extent. And, um, Mike, my, my, my channel on YouTube, it, it goes through those sort of things. Some, cha- uh, some, ep- some episodes get demonetized. I, I know how that is. It's not my, I don't own the platform. I know if I say something they deem inappropriate, they have the right to do whatever they want because it is their platform. Right. Um, however, this woman who I was joking earlier on the program that she looks like Sarah Silverman. Okay. And she got really angry. Apparently that's what they were doing to her channel. So she went crazy and, and, and shut up the place. Really? Yeah. Out here in California. You think it was, uh. San Bruno, California. See, I didn't hear much about it. I don't know m- many details about that shooting. Um, not to jump the subject, but you gotta talk to me about this. Did you, did you hear anything else about that Las Vegas shooting? Well, I've heard so many things about the Las Vegas shooting. The funny thing is, it's like, it just. Where do I begin? But, but here's, well, here's who you can help me out. Cause I know you, you, you read into a lot of the conspiracy theories. Why did it disappear after just two weeks? Well, it's it's funny you say that because on on that program, on my program, uh, when that incident happened, I said on the show, as soon as this program is over, uh, a new disaster will take place, and that will be uh, plastered all over your television television screen as soon as uh, this show's over. And it's true. Well, there were so many other things too that didn't make sense. Like they were. Oh yeah. Conf- conflicting stories a lot of conflicting stories right yeah and i i there, it just seems like such a a conspiracy have and you i don't seen, normally say that I, I, you really don't actually that's the first time i've actually heard you say that yeah you're yeah, not really for you know me i'm very very I'm really skeptical very, very skeptical. skeptical yeah um but like i said that you you heard about it intensely for just about two weeks and then it really it then it went away dive yeah, it went away. And then you didn't hear about it anymore. I'm not sure if you saw footage, but there's a new surveillance of the shooter uh, gambling and eating alone and then filling his suit with uh, his suite with with guns, apparently. His what? His suit? No, he, he his hotel room basically had a suite there. Oh, oh, OK, OK. And I guess there's footage of him doing this seven days of a video of him doing this, going back oh into the room. Yeah. 
I mean, wouldn't you get a little bit suspicious? You know, after a while, like, wouldn't you think, well, why is he going in there so often with <sighs> with the new set of um a new set of uh, a new suitcase there? Yeah, it seems odd, but then you got to think, Michael. If nothing's happening at the moment, where does right. privacy stop and surveillance begin? Yeah. I, I just would suspect that somebody would kind of catch on and think, well, isn't that a little bit suspicious, though, that he keeps repeating this action? All right. Well, well, now let's look at that woman who, who shot up the YouTube place. She was the day before. She was fucking she, crazy, man. I'm not yeah. sure. Have you? Well, I don't think you have, but have you seen any of the videos she's uploaded? I heard it. Jeez, I heard it. Really odd. Yeah, she was. But here was here's what I was going to say. The day before that shooting happened, she was. I think she was stopped at the shooting range or or something by the police. She was stopped before going to the shooting range. Now they stopped her, but she didn't do anything wrong. Next day, she shoots up YouTube. So again, where does privacy stop and surveillance begin? True. Even her father had notified the police about the, his daughter. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the father had mentioned something, if I recall wow. correctly. Uh, the dad said something. But, I mean, the police can't actually go and arrest you if, you know, if you're suspected of, of something, you know. Right. If there's no hardcore evidence yeah, for them to really take they, you down. They can't really do anything. What can they do? Yeah, they I can't do I anything. I don't think people understand that part. Because no. people people usually say, well, there was a warning, there was this, but... Uh, realistically, the police can't do shit, though. That's the same situation with these sleeper cells that are in America of of terrorists, of Muslim terrorists. They can't uh, – don't ask me why, but they can't do anything. Even though these guys are marked as terrorists from other countries living in America in sleeper cells. Oh, and they know, in, and they know they're there, yet they don't do anything. And they anything. know they're there. They're yeah. in sleeper cells, and they're doing nothing. The FBI, the CIA, doing nothing to take these people down. And they they have their address, they have all all these yep. things on them, yet they don't do nothing. That's right. It's and, kind and of odd, right? It's very odd. Really odd. With what's going on in the world, you would think that they would keep these people out completely. Why why bring them into the country and just wait for for a tragedy? It's just almost as for it. it's almost as strange as Ben Affleck's tattoo on his back. <laughs> what does he have on his back? He, he's got like a dragon of some sorts. It's it's really questionable, you know. I'm questionable. I'm, I'm starting to question him, you know what I'm saying? I'm starting to I'm starting to really wonder. Oh. He's making me wonder, Mike. Maybe he's from that movie uh Cannibal 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 Hannibal. I don't even know. It's just Oops. one of the it's one of the worst tattoos I've ever seen. Oh, is it? I didn't know it was that it bad. It is awful, Mike. You you got to see this tattoo whenever you get a chance. Probably the worst tattoo I've ever seen. It's just, it's grotesque. I'm not a, I'm not a Ben Affleck f- fan. That's why I don't know this sort of thing. Why do you know? <laughs> it just randomly came up on, on the internet oh. here. Oh, okay. I looked at his tattoo and I just thought, oh god. I thought you were a big fan. Really, Mike? No. <laughs> I'm a fan of Ben Affleck. <laughs> that guy stinks. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, Ben Affleck. That's just. I can't go there. Hey, by the way, uh, I want to tell you, I really like your logo. Oh, okay, yeah. Is that relatively new? It is actually rather new. Um, just a couple months, a couple months old, and that was done by an illustrator in South Africa. No kidding. Very talented guy. Wow. Does he uh, listen to the show? Is that how you found him? Yeah, he listens to the program. 
That's beautiful. I really like it. He, he's one talented guy. The guy could really draw anything, really. I'll tell you, I gotta, I gotta say, I think it's very professional looking and I think it really adds to the program's professionalism. Um, it adds a bit no, of life, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, no disrespect or anything. I just think it's way better than the last, uh, the last, um, uh, logo you had prior same, to this. The same guy. Same guy? Same guy. Not that it, I'm not saying that it's, that artwork was bad. I'm just saying I think this is more professional looking. Oh yeah. yeah. Well actually I'm, I'm, never mind. It's not the same guy. You're, you're thinking of the other logo, the way yeah. older one. Yeah. That was done by a different character out in San Diego. And yeah, he, he's not exactly a professional. Well, not that it was terribly bad. It's just a different form of art. Yeah. It's, it's a little yeah. different. I hear you. I dig this new one. Yeah, this really... one, yeah, this one's much more modern, much more professional. That's a sticker right there. That, oh, that's yeah. That's a round sticker. Yeah, well, one, one guy got really mad at me, by the way. Uh, another show host uh, out there because of this logo. Um, it's kind of, it looks a little bit like his. Is that who I'm, who I'm thinking of? No, 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 no. You won't even know this character here, but it's a, it's a logo that looks kind of like his, and he even sent me a message over Twitter. And I think I, I suspect that he believes that I had copied him, but it's like, um, you know, I never asked for this thing to be, uh, drawn. I, I never requested it. It just sort of was given to me. So I ran with it. Well, you know, the, the, what is that? The Illuminati eye? Yeah. I mean, you know, some people, you know, they, they think they, they think they created everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know how that goes, Mike. It's yeah, really, I know. You got, I the, know. You, we got silly cunts out there. Yeah. We, yeah. Don't even get me started. Oh yes. Well, in any event, I, it's a great it's a great little logo. I'm happy you got it uh, a new a new art uh piece for your your show and uh it looks fabulous. I just wanted to finish up on that. Awesome. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad you dig it. Speaking Thank of which, you. um did you see that there was a fire at uh, over at Trump Tower? No, when was this? I guess uh, it leaves a man dead and six firefighters injured. Uh Where where was this? New York I, City? Yeah, I believe this just happened. Trump Tower, which uh, apparently that... it, it just happened um, Saturday night or Saturday, I think afternoon, perhaps. I'm not exactly quite sure, but yeah, left one man dead and six firefighters injured. Wow, I gotta say, I I, I was completely void of any news today, so uh, I was out and about. Um, I went went for lunch, did my laundry. Uh, I don't remember any of that stuff. Yeah, don't worry. Oh, good. I won't. <laughs> don't worry. It's just one man that died. Oh, okay. I think uh, I think everyone can give that a pass. Just one man died. Oh, oh man. <laughs> you know how it goes. No one worries I'm, about I'm that. I'm not going there, Michael. I'm not going there. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I like to say those terrible things, though. Hey, whatever happened to um, – last time I was on, there was a guy or somebody was bothering you that you said uh, you were going to take care of business. Oh, <laughs> shit. Not, that sounds just like me, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, well, yeah, well, I did. May I ask what happened? Well, I can't really go into detail. Okay. But yeah, said, I yeah, you know, things happen. Things need to be uh, put into place and people need to be talked to. And, you know, that, that's, that's, that's part of the conundrum, but we get it done. Well, I'm glad to hear everything got worked out. Yeah, I, every, I know you were pretty pissed off. Yeah, everything gets squared away eventually. Good. If Good. I get angry well, enough. Well, I, mean, I won't bring it up anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's just... You know, I, I just don't want to bring up old things that will incite others out there. 
it's the way to be. Uh, sometimes it's better to kind of step back. I, I remember you had that female DJ on. I can't remember her name. Uh, that DJ host that you had on, um, friend of yours. Uh, I don't remember her name. <laughs> she was telling you the same thing. Calm down, Michael. Calm down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I recall. You know who I'm talking about? I sure do. Now, what was her name? I think you're thinking of Amy, perhaps? Yeah, the, the DJ, right? She's a, she's a... Well, she has a, a talk show of her own. A talk show. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, you're show. talking about Amy Martin. That's right. Yeah, I never, I gotta admit, I never got a chance to listen to her show. Yeah, um, she's cool. Yeah, it seems like she had a pretty, she has a pretty good show that I always, I always meant to, to listen to it. It's just, I just never got around to it. I apologize. Don't worry, it happens. I mean, I, I can't listen to everything I, I, I enjoy myself. Uh, lots of people send me different programs out there they think that I'd like, and I'm probably sure I will, but I find it difficult every now and then to uh, find the time to sit down and actually enjoy some of these programs. Yeah. There's too many. There's so much out there. I mean, it's just, there's so much out there. You know, There's too you much. Just, you can't keep up. You can't. I mean, for every search engine you go on and you look for one thing, another 50 come up that are in the same genre of what you're looking for and just keep going and going and going. It's nonstop. The it internet is great. Don't get me wrong, but it destroyed the music business though. It, it destroyed the music business. It's movie business, a lot of things. The movie it, business as well. And it just sucks you in. It, it pulls you in and you get, you get addicted to it and you just never stop. I, I, I've, I've limited myself. I don't go on now sometimes for days. I, I won't, I won't go on. I can't stand it anymore. You can't stand it anymore. No, if the only reason I go online, uh, particularly Facebook, which I cannot stand, I cannot stand it. Uh, the only reason I go on Facebook is to uh, promote my my music with Empire Hideous, um, and of course whatever music I'm doing as myself. So the only reason I go on is to to promote myself. Other than that, if if you took it away from me, I would not care. I barely go onto my email accounts. All right, I just I can't be bothered anymore. I can't be bothered. It's such a hassle. And, you know, even on Facebook, you always got some asshole who's got to make a comment. You know, you, oh, you know, you, you suck, you know. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> you still get that, Mike? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Still, yeah. Someone still goes in there and tries to troll you a little bit? Oh, yeah. You know, the, especially on these misfit chat lines, there's oh, always some God. prick. You know, it cracks me up. There's always some stupid fucking prick that's got to say something about me and my involvement in that band. But you know what? Here's the thing. Glenn fucking Danzig himself said, and I do quote, I was one of the best singers in that band. And that's coming from Glenn fucking Danzig. So you know what? Anybody who's got something to say about what I did in that band when I sang to them, fuck you. Glenn said I was good. Okay, fuck all you other guys. You got not, you've never, probably never even been in a band, so shut the fuck up. That's a, that's a pretty big uh, compliment there coming from Glenn, as he is that's known right. not to really compliment anyone. Let, let me tell you how that happened. Um, here in well, when I was living in New Jersey, um, one night, uh, this is in the early part of 2000 or 1999, I went into a club in in New Jersey and I met Steve Zing. There, who is, as we know, the bass player for, uh, Danzig currently. 
Um, he was also the drummer for Sam Hain with Danzig. So I see Steve and I'm talking to him and, uh, he says, you know, he goes, I want to tell you something because I, Glenn, Glenn and I were just talking the other day and he said, I got to tell you, Glenn himself said that out of the whole, you know, whoever's actually sang for them since him, he said, you were the best. And like when I heard that, I was just like so flattered that Glenn Danzig said that about me. That's that's a true story. That is not a lie. Um, you know, Glenn has always respected me, and I I appreciate him for that. And Mike, keep um, talking. I'm going to run again. Okay. One sec. Um, in any event, uh, yeah, Glenn Glenn said that uh, to me. So I don't really have to sit and worry about people who are going to criticize me and tell me that I didn't do a good job when Glenn himself. Uh, you know, stepped up and said, I, I did a good job. And that's what really mattered to me. You know, when you put your heart into something, uh, your heart and your soul into something, and then you're criticized by people who have never even done what you've done, it's kind of insulting because, you know, I could see if Glenn had said, oh, well, Mike was a, a terrible singer and he did, you know, he was rotten, but he didn't. And that was his band. He formed that band. And as a result, uh, you know, you get from the horse's mouth telling you that you've done the right thing and you, you did it. What you did was worthy. Um, whereas you got these other little pinhead pea brains that go online and are so, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? They're so brave behind their computer screens and, uh, their keyboard and they type up how much you suck and how much, uh, how much more they know better than you. Um, when they themselves have probably never even been in a band, sang for a band, written a song, played an instrument, gone on tour, uh, or know what it's like to do so. So, you are listening to the, uh, I'm back. Mike, the Michael Deacon program, and I am, uh, the fill-in host, Mike Hitties. Oh, you're back. Oh, okay. Good. I'm back. Don't worry. <laughs> so, Mike, you don't regret anything in your musical career, uh, hindsight now. Uh, and today, no regrets at all. You, you really, uh, you, you know, you, you had a very good career, Mike, and you don't regret any of it, correct? Uh, I guess if I would, if I had to go back, there would be a few things I would do differently. Um, you know, you gotta remember when I got into music, I had absolutely no background whatsoever. I didn't know how to write a song. I didn't know how to play an instrument. I didn't know how to sing. I had never played in a show. Well, actually, I did when I was a kid, but not like for real. And I just sort of, you know, I just sort of did it. I, I did it blindly. And as time went by, I learned how to play guitar. I learned how to sing. I learned how to write music and compose. And, you know, it took about five years for me to really get, um, five or six years for me to really get my feet solid on the ground and know what the hell I was doing. But I was younger back then. I had a lot more energy and my willpower and my, my confidence was just overflowing. So, um, by the time I got everything together and, and learned how to do it all, I was doing it better and better. Not, not to boast, but you know, I was doing it better and better. And I didn't really, uh, I wasn't a professional. I started out completely amateur, but I got to a level that most people don't get. Um, so yeah, it's not like I don't. I regret everything, but if I had to go back, I'd change a few things. Understood. Oh, of course. There's How a... long have you been doing this show now, Michael? Um, well, 2016, I believe, at the end of 2016. Okay, that's right. Yeah, that sounds about right. And you were doing that before 
for uh, what, five years before? Yeah, 2012, I believe. That's right. And in fact, I remember doing the show for you. Uh, in fact, I think it was earlier than that, wasn't it? 2009, no? No, it was 2012. Okay, so that's when we we did our first show together, our first interview together. Right. Yeah, and before, that sounds about right. Yeah, and before that, I was, you know, definitely wanting to be way more in, in the radio industry. I was really trying and trying to get a job in the radio industry back in uh, 2005, six. And, you know, I had a really bad experience with, with the local radio station down here. And what happened? Well, they they were just kind of, they're kind of douchey to me. They just treated me so badly there. I, I'm not exactly sure what the hell happened. Do you have a background in uh, communications? No, I don't. Maybe that's why. They just treated me so badly in there. And one of the one of the DJs in there, um, he was on the air. And when I walked by and I was being shown around the whole studio there, I was I, I was basically basically given a little tour there. And this guy did not keep his eyes off of me the entire time I was walking around. I think he wow. thought in his mind he was going to get fired. Wow. That's the only thing I could, I could think of. But the guy that I was doing the talking during that, during my time in there, he looked worried. It was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you he thought he was going to get scrapped. Because this was, now that I'm thinking about it, this was close to the holidays. And in the radio industry, um, you're most uh, most likely to get axed right when, well, right Right when the weekend begins or right when it is the weekend and on a holiday, that's when they really want to just give you the axe. And did they? They didn't fire that guy. He's still there. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's still there. But I bet you anything he thought, oh, shit, I'm fucked. (laughs) I swear, I bet you that went through his mind. Yeah, I suppose. I I thought you were going to say that they were going to axe you. Oh, no, no. I thought I was going to get the job. Oh, well, they, then they did ask you. Well, not not exactly. They, you know, they took me in. They showed me around. They they considered me for a few minutes, and then the owner must have heard something he didn't like. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, right. That was the rest of the story. And then they looked like I, you know, they came back to me, and, and they had this look on their face like if I just killed someone. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, back then... Back in like 2012, well, not 2012, back in, I think it was, might have been 2006, 2005 or 2000, 2006. I was a lot, I was a lot more crazier, Mike. I, I talked a lot, a lot about uh, crazier shit. You crazy? Right. I know, right? <laughs> Me crazy. So I figured they, they probably heard something they just did not like and they were freaked out. Well, that could happen at any time. Yeah, at, that's whatever, though. I, I don't, I just, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, you, right. you, you probably just were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. It wasn't my time. It just wasn't, it wasn't my time, Mike. That's what I think. I wasn't ready. Well, either way, now you've got, you've got a great thing going. And that's what I'm just, being, that's what I'm being told all the time. You have a great thing going. You have this, you have just that. Just keep going with it. Well, Mike, I'm about to slide, I'm about to fucking slit someone's throat here. Why? Because I'm running out of beer. <laughs> well, I've been drinking um double barrel ale since the program started at 8 p.m. and it's now 11. Well, at least somebody's drunk. Oh yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm kind of surprised I've been able to handle my booze, even though I'm not a big drinker whatsoever. Um, I think the show's been going pretty well. 
That's my personal assessment. I, I'm not quite sure if it's been good or not. Well, last you told me, you had you had people listening from all walks of life and all different sections oh, of yeah. the world. Yeah, they they tune in. Um, I I really do respect the international listeners out there that tune in and support the program. And speaking of which, I have to thank uh one one of the people that donate all the time here on the program. That's Frank out there. Got to thank that guy and and Will too. These are people who donate to the program. That's wonderful. That's actually really great. Yeah, that's Justin out there, rather, not Frank. Uh, Justin, thank you, by the way, for always uh, donating. You're helping this program stay alive. Really do appreciate that. Way to go, Michael. That's that's great news. I'm really happy to hear that for you. Yeah, for sure. So, Mike, um, since we've been talking a lot about music lately, are there no bands that you like at all? No, 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 not true at all. Like in uh, modern, mo- like, you know, like a modern band we have that's still alive and kicking here. Like, you mean like a new band or yeah, an old band? new band. I'm going to be perfectly honest with be you, honest. Michael. I, Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I am, I don't have my feet as wet as I used to. Um, my feet aren't as wet as they used to be when I was in the music scene. Out right. And about. You know, I used to be a DJ. I used to, at one point, I used to DJ five nights a week in five different clubs. Jesus Christ, Mike. Yeah. How I, the hell? Was, my God. How did you pull that off? I didn't. I, I It only lasted for about a month, and I was absolutely drained. You, I couldn't do it anymore. You must have been dead, man. I, I was. Plus, I was rehearsing three days a week, and then I had a damn. show. So five nights a week, from like Monday to Friday, I was DJing. And, You're crazy. Uh, You're fucking crazy. Yeah, I can't even believe you did that. Loud, loud, pounding music five days a week, (laughs) beating my brains in. Wow. And then, of course, you know, you're out and you got people, drinks and drugs, and I couldn't do it after a while. I was just so exhausted. I was aging like five years a week. Oh, yeah, man. And, um, eventually I just stopped it after like a month. I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta knock off like three of these gigs. I can't keep doing it. I, I wasn't ever a DJ at any nightclub, but I, I was a bouncer for, uh, probably about two years. And I know what that's like, Mike, those hours. Yeah. And, and did you used to drink while you were on a job or no? Well, you know, every now and then, sure. But not slosh. Nah, right? nah, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, sometimes I would drink. Like, I stopped drinking in 2008. I had to be like Dalton. Say what? Roadhouse. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I'll take your word that it's funny. So, okay. Um, the thing with, with what I was going to say is with me, when I would DJ, um, you know, I, I could be DJing. And uh, once the people started gathering into the club, into the room, rather, uh, like you know, the regulars would show up and one guy would, would walk over to me and he'd throw me a bag of weed or a joint and be like, Hey man, play me that song that I love so much. A couple of minutes later, another guy would come over and throw me a bag of Coke or something like, you know, I said, Hey man, you know, down here to see you again, you know, play me that song that I like. Okay. Another couple of minutes, a guy would come down and like maybe toss me a bag of dope and be like, Hey man, play me that song I like. And then another person buys me a drink and it just went on all the time. Like I would come home with all types of drugs, um, drink tickets that were, were, were people were buying me drinks and it was toxic. It, I, I couldn't take it after a while, you know? And, uh, oh, yeah, yes. I, I remember the bathroom scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I stopped drinking and drugging back in 2008. 
Hey, good for you. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I'm, I'm an old man, man. You can't do that okay. for too long. No. Well, I did you it really for 20 can't. years. Yeah, man. You really can't do that for too long. 20 years was my cutoff date. <laughs> but that's what I noticed. You know, you, you, you work those kind of hours and you work them pretty hard. It definitely does age you. It does. That's what especially I noticed, al- man. Especially alcohol. Anything that keeps you up, especially like Coke or, or any kind of speed or something, when you start losing sleep, you start to age quickly. And especially if you start drinking, you start bloating out and everything, like puffy eyes and messed up cheekbones, just poor complexion, um, bad teeth. Someone got stabbed over there, by the way. Where? I think that's where, I think that's exactly why I got shut down. Uh, where? The, the club I used to work. Oh, where you were working. Yeah, I believe, so, that? I believe someone got stabbed. San Diego? No, no, here in El Centro. Yeah, yeah, I, I, there were several clubs I had, I had hung out in, um, stabbing. I saw a guy get stabbed right in front of me. Oh, did you? Um, I, I never yeah. saw, I never seen anyone get stabbed, but I have seen someone get shot before. No, that's even worse. I was in, uh, <laughs> trust I was, me, it is. Yeah. I was, uh, doing, I used to have a Wednesday night in a club in New Jersey, uh, called Infestation Wednesdays. What and, a name. Um, <laughs> what a name. <laughs> I used to book bang, you know, local and traveling bands, uh, and I used to DJ. Uh, so, you know, I was doing promotion and booking and DJing on a Wednesday night. It wasn't easy, especially in Jersey, let me tell you. Um, but, um, one night later uh, towards the end of the night, excuse me, uh, probably close to like two 30 in the morning. We were just, or maybe it was two o'clock. We were just getting ready to close and there had been a, a scuffle or an argument prior, uh, earlier. And after it was broken up, the guy, one of the guys left and then came back like an hour later, walked through the door, ran right up to the guy who he had the argument with and just stabbed him and then ran back out the door. Like it, it happened so quick. Um, that's so scary, right? Yeah. That's and like, you know, scary. when it happens, like you don't, you're in shock and you don't realize what's happening. And your adrenaline's pumping and you're, you're up and then all of a sudden you realize you've been stabbed. You're bleeding profusely and then you hit the floor and then you start ble- bleeding out. Luckily the ambulance showed up in time and they took the guy out. And then after that, we were stuck in the club until five o'clock in the morning because the cops showed up and they had to, um, they had to like, you know, talk to everybody, you know, where were you? What did you do? Did you know the, the victim? So on and so forth. So yeah, that was pretty strange. I, I never had that happen before. The only thing good that happened from that night was another night I was driving home on my motorcycle at the time and I got pulled over by a cop at like, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning. And the cop walks up to me and goes, I said to him, I remember you. I said, you were there when they stabbed the guy at that club that I worked at. And he he let me go. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I never really had any good stories except, um, well, you know, to be honest with you, I don't, I didn't really have any good Good stories when I was bouncing at all. I was mostly occupied with um, girlfriends crying and, oh, and their Lord. and their boyfriends next to me just shaking their heads. Oh Lord! I don't understand why I had I had that so many times happen. I would have someone's girlfriend come up to me crying, saying their boyfriend's doing this or doing that, and it's like, how is that my my responsibility? It's almost like you were the bartender. It really I was stunned. I just kept thinking, why are you even telling me this for? Well, you know how that goes. If uh, nobody else is around, like, like I said, if you're... I just thought, do I have a sign on my head that says, come and talk to me? 
<laughs> no, it's like you were the bartender, and that's that's what the bartender's job is, especially in a club, in a bar that's not loud music. You know, people just tend to. Yeah, uh, that was really the only drama I ever had. That's it. Come on, that's it. No, I'm being honest. That was the only thing. Girls crying, and that, I'm being completely honest. There was a couple fights here and there, but that's kind of standard. And then after uh, after I didn't work for. I, I I took a break for a couple of weeks and then someone gets stabbed and then that's it. Place Yikes. shuts down. Yikes. Thank God I wasn't there for that. Uh, I, I, you know, when I, I used to DJ at the limelight in New York city, uh, for a short period of time. Oh, no shit. But, yeah. About six months. That's um, pretty cool. And every once in a while, uh, as I would show up to DJ that night, you know, I used to have to take a train in or I would take my bike in or something like that. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd walk to the club, uh, however many blocks I had to walk to get to the club. And sometimes I'd walk up there and there'd be like police tape across the, the doors. And uh, I would walk up and I'd see a policeman there and I'd be like, Oh, so what'd they get closed down for tonight? You know, it's either a drug bust or somebody got murdered or, or <laughs> yeah. stabbed. I can't tell you how many times that would happen. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll go home now because there's no reason for me to be here. Um, but yeah, we, one night there was, um, there was a stab, uh, a stabbing at the limelight as well. Uh, I was upstairs DJing and eventually somebody came upstairs or like, turn off the music and get out. I'm like, what? Just do what I tell you. <laughs> and I had to pack my shit up. Everybody had to get kicked out. And I found out that somebody got stabbed downstairs. Wow. Yeah. That's New York scary. is a fun place, man. New York is crazy. Ugh. That's why I had to leave. I only know a few spots because I've been told what goes down. You know, certain neighborhoods I'm told about. Things, you know, things of that nature. But, man, New York, it, it just seems like such a crazy, crazy city to live in. It is. Like at all, like at all hours, it just seems it's crazy to be there. It, it's, it never sleeps. And, you know, when I was younger, like in my, my mid twenties up until about my, 40s really um i used to i used to go to new york all the time i would take the train in and i'll tell you it it, it did sort of change after 9-11 I, I think a whole new attitude um was invoked and um things in my personal opinion i think things got much worse much much worse um you know there's gangs that are like roaming wild and they don't get arrested and it's just bad news, and I had to get away. I just yeah. couldn't take it anymore. But by, by the way, Mike, were you ever into the cocaine? I was for a short period you were? of time. Okay. I was. You had sorry? that little. You had that little episode in your life for a little bit there. Yeah, I've had a few issues. I hear you. I'll be perfectly honest with you. In fact, all right. I even wrote about it in my in my book, uh, King of an Empire to the Shoes of a Misfit, which is also available on my website, mikehideous.com. Ah, yeah, that's right. It's in your book. Yep, I wrote yeah, about I it in the new chapter. Um, I did have a small issue with cocaine in the late 90s into the early part of the new millennium. And it all started when I was on tour with the Misfits. That's oh, I, shit. It started there, not your, not, not during the DJ era. No, no. I, wow. In fact, I was, I wasn't DJing until after I was in the Misfits. Um, I, I was in Amsterdam the first time I did coke. And, uh, from that point on, after the Misfits, I want to do it again. And I started doing it in, uh, the later part of 98. And before I knew it, 99, um, 2000, 
and up until about 2002. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Rewind here. Going back to uh, the Misfits here, you got Coke in, in South America. No, 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 Amsterdam. Oh, in Amsterdam. Yeah, that oh, was the first time that, I ever had it. When you did that tour there in mm-hmm. Europe there, okay. Yep, and then after ah. I came back and I was out of the band, uh, I found a, you know, everybody finds a contact. And that's like the most, know, that's like the most watered down drug. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's, yeah, I, I don't like it, man. Personal, I don't fucking like, I don't fucking like that shit. I don't like it either. I don't even know why I ever did it. Uh, it's, it's addicting, um, it's expensive. Um, and it gets you hooked. Like you get hooked on it. Like you just keep, for me, I used to, I used to just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. Oh, I just I had to do the whole thing until it was gone. I, I, I had no control. Yeah. I had a friend who was just like that, Mike. He was just completely in it. So I, 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 I can't, hear you. I can't be bothered. You know, I was just talking to a guy uh, the other day who was telling me he was in prison. He went to prison for Coke. He was telling me how, when he lived in Florida, they used to steal cars. And I asked him, I said, well, because oh, no. I asked him, like, what did you get busted for? He's like, I got busted for drugs. I said, well, how did it happen? He said, well, I used to steal cars. I said, how many cars did you used to steal a night? 26, he said. It was the most we ever got. I'm like, you stole 26 cars in one night? <laughs> wow. He's like, yeah, me and him, me and his, him and his friend. And I'm like, why? He goes, well, we were on Coke. And Jesus. we we started getting greedy and we began to steal more cars to buy more Coke. It was just a vicious, vicious cycle. You know, that old, that old saying, you know, I work hard to buy more Coke so I can work faster. Yeah. So I can, you know, work hard so I can buy more Coke so I can work faster so I can buy, you know, it just goes on and on. There's a lot of people like that, man. With that mindset. And then I moved from that to like free base, which is, you know, just smoking it. And that was just like, oh my God, just fucking horrible. horrible Jesus Christ, Mike. Oh, I've been down the road of every drug. I didn't know you did that. I've done every drug. How does, how did that get introduced to you though? If you don't mind me asking. What? The, the free base? Yeah. You were just a friend of yours or? I'll tell you, the guy who actually hooked me up with it for the first time is dead now as an overdose. Um, oh shit. We used to work to, yeah, his name was Paul. And, uh, we used to work together, um, at a newspaper, a music newspaper, an arts and entertainment weekly newspaper in New Jersey. And a lot of times we would stay there late in the office and work late hours. You know, some people would come in at like eight o'clock and leave at four. We'd come at like 12 o'clock and stay till I would come in at like 11 o'clock and stay till like 10 o'clock at night sometimes. So one night I was there and you know, everybody was there. Everybody who worked there was like a rocker of some sort. They were they were in a band or they did drugs, whatever. And uh, one time this guy pulled out this pipe. He's like, here, try this. And I'm like, okay. So I tried it, and it gave me such an amazing rush compared to the fucking coke that I was doing up my nose, which, right. by the way, was destroying my nasal passages, you know. Um, so Yeah, you're going to end up like Artie Lang. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> His nose no. is just so screwed up from all the coke. I remember you told me last time we yeah. spoke. But yeah, I, I just, I, I was like, oh wow, I can finally smoke it and not have to worry about sniffing it up my nose. And, uh, I, I'll tell you though, I'll tell you, I'm very proud of myself. When I realized that I was getting too deep involved in spending money on drugs, um, I made the conscious decision to get off of it. And what I did is I weaned myself off of it because 
it's just as addicting. You know, it's it's still the same element that you're smoking or snorting, whatever it is, and it's still highly addictive. So once I realized that I had to stop, I planned like a month, and like each week I would do less increments of it. And eventually I got down to the point where I was no longer doing any of it, and I was off of it completely 100%. I did it all by myself. I didn't need no rehab or detox or nothing. Was was cocaine really the drug that really got you there, Mike, that you preferred, no. that you were hooked on? No, no. I, I, I even tried heroin. I was even on heroin for a while. What, would you say that was kind of the end game for you there? Yeah, um, heroin is a wow. Cocaine. I had a friend who tried opium. He was completely into that for a while. That was scary. Opium is nothing compared to heroin, uh, particularly if you're if you're mainlining it right into your if you're IVing it right yeah. into your arm. That is the quickest way and the most addictive way. Don't so I, scary. Just think like I said, I've been on a lot of. I've had a lot of drugs. I've gotten myself off of coke. I got myself off of freebase. But the one, th- and I've even had like issues with like Valium and Xanax and stuff in the past. Right, right. The worst drug to get off of is heroin. Yeah, the heroin. Once you get hooked, you are hooked, and that's it. And the only way you can come down is if you're willing to to go through days of withdrawal, vomiting, sweating, hot flashes, cold flashes, and sleepless nights. Um, pain, uh, and the possibility of death. Um, I tried for three months straight, and this is a true story. I tried for three months straight to, I took every weekend off and I would try to go cold turkey. Um, and, uh, cause I wanted to be off of it. I didn't want to be on it. I really, I knew I was screwing up. Yeah. And, uh, eventually I, I realized I had to get off it, but I couldn't get off of it. That's heavy, Mike. I couldn't, and it, yeah. I was on it for a couple of years. I, I understand, by the way. Like I, I you know, I, I mention my uncles all the time here on the program. I have a bunch, by the way, for those who are curious. And one of my many uncles I do have, he is a he. Well, he was a heroin addict, and I remember him being really young. I haven't been around him uh, for many years now, but when I was just a little boy, I, I do recall when he would nod off and shit, you know. Mm-hmm. So man, I I I totally understand and feel for you, man. Yeah, thank you. That's I some heavy that. shit, you know. It took me. Uh, it, I had to go to a doctor. Uh, I had gone to, I had gone to all the the detox centers or the 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 you know the the what do you call them the um methadone clinics. I went oh, to yeah. all of them and methadone. And I just I just wasn't ready. Um, ultimately, you have to be ready to get off of it to quit, because if you're not you'll just keep doing it. That's true. And so what I had to do is I had to go to a doctor. I went to a personal doctor. Um, um, like the main reason I started doing it is because I was under, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I've had some serious health problems in yeah. my lifetime. Yeah. You, you talked about that. I've had cancer a number of times. And as a result from chemotherapy, radiation, x-rays, and all the surgeries I've had, um, I, I had a lot of pain and at the time in the early part of the millennium, uh, I was on like Vicodin. I had been on painkillers since I was 16 because I had, that's when my cancer started. Right. So I knew what it was like to be on painkillers, but eventually the painkillers weren't working. And by 
2000, um, I began to seek my own form of medication or medicating myself. And, uh, somebody had offered me dope and they're like, you know, here, try it. You know, it, it's the same as Vicodin. It's the same as Percocet, really. It's just, it's just a little different. It's in a powder form. You mix it up and you shoot it into your veins. It's, it sounds horrible and it, in a sense it is, but it's no different than like injecting morphine or taking Percocet or taking, uh, any kind of painkiller, like, oh, like a narcotic. Right. It's the same exact element. It's the same thing. It's from the opium plant. It's just heroin has a really bad name. The funny thing is it used to be sold in the uh, early 1900s yeah. by Bay, oh, by Bayer. Over the counter. Over the counter as, as a cough suppressant. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I tried getting off of it so many times because I didn't want to be on it and it, I just couldn't get off it. So I go to the doctor and the doctor, you know, they get me a prescription for methadone because at the same time, even though I had to get off of the dope that I was using, I still had to be medicated through a doctor for the pain that I had as uh, as a cancer patient. That That's how I got into it because I was medicating myself because the pain meds I was taking weren't working anymore. Yeah. So you had to go the other route. Yeah, for lack of a better term, yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. I did. Um, it was probably one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. So that was your regret there. That was definitely a regret was yeah. getting involved in dope. Well, I'm not proud of it. I'm no, certainly not proud you. of it. But at the same time, I'm not going to have anybody tell me, oh, you know, you're just a fucking junkie. You know what? Fuck you. you, you, you if you're going to sit there and, and criticize me and you don't know anything about me or why I've done what I've done, then you really should shut your mouth because <clears throat> um, I had my reasons and my reasons were valid. Uh, right. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew what I was doing was costly, bad for my health. <clears throat> but uh, so is smoking. So is drinking. So is eating high cholesterol. So is being alive. Yeah. Life, and life ca- causes cancer, man. It sure does. It really does. So, you know. Like I said, there were people that uh, when they found out that I was doing heroin who wrote to me and told me how much they hated me and despised me and disrespected me. Well, sorry. Yeah, at least you didn't overdose, Mike. No, no. I, I came close to it a couple I mean, of times. shit. Yeah, all my close to it. All my favorite musicians are, are heroin users. <laughs> I mean, Usually, I, I, I hate it. to, I hate to, you know, sound that way, but. It's true. <laughs> it's kind of true, though. You know, a lot of the the greatest uh, musicians out there experimented a time or two with heroin. Yeah, and and that's that's why I feel like I'm in good company. Um, you kind of are. I've, <laughs> you kind of you know, are, man. <laughs> I've tried to uh, I've tried to walk that path as as others before me have, but it wasn't worth it, really. I mean, no, I, I wish I never good. had never stuck that needle in my arm. Yeah, it's not it's not good news. And uh, by the way, back to uh, Spy Society 99, um, Where Have You Been has been a song that's kind of like a theme song here. All kinds of folks love that song, and then they find out it's you, and they're like, really, that's Mike? <laughs> they're completely taken back by you, Mike. Yeah, well, I um, I really loved doing Spy Society. It was so different for me. It was such a different type of music to perform and sing. Um, you know, it was still rock music, but it had a different edge to it. You know, the whole punk rock. But the saw in there. Influence. 
Yeah. What's that? With, with the ska influence in there. Yeah, absolutely. And nice. No, no. You think there was ska influence? A little bit, just a tiny no, bit. No, 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 Just no, a no. tiny bit. I disagree with you. No. Um, we were influenced by, like, big band, jazz, um, lounge, and punk rock. There was no... <laughs> There was no ska. There was well, I mean, not with the horns or anything of that nature. No, 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 no. And and even influence wise, it was just nothing involved with ska. Don't get me wrong, there is some ska that I like, but that was not an influence. We were listening to like stuff like uh, it was a bit rockabilly, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Like, but we were listening to like the crooners, like Dean Martin, Tony Bennett, uh, some of the the jazz performers like Louis Armstrong and. Uh, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, Jack Benny and um, or Jack Benny's a comedian. Who the hell am I thinking of? Well, I'm thinking of the song Horror Biz that you did. That's why. That's kind, you know that kind of had a little bit of a ska uh, sound to it. Uh, Very well, little though. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that was that song was um. Obviously, we we did that song because we every time Spy Society would play. Uh, somebody in the audience would yell, do a Misfits song. So we decided to learn a Misfits cover. And uh, Good choice, though. Yeah, it was always one of my favorite songs. That's why. Um, and so, yeah, we do like a little med- medley uh, in the beginning of the song. And I would kind of do lyrics from different songs. And then we'd go right into the horror business uh, lyrics. And, you know, it was, uh, it was fun. I love that band. That was a great band. Great times, great times indeed. And, um, Mike, before we close up shop here, um, I, I did want to talk to you a little bit about other things here. Is there anything else that you're working on? Uh, will you ever put out another book? Will you ever put out anything else in terms of art? Um, well, yes. Uh, I'm always trying to keep busy. What I'm doing right now is I am going through, uh, a lot of my, uh, collection of empire hideous uh photographs and uh, music um i plan on releasing uh, a couple of new songs a couple of remastered remixed songs um my friend jake from hades machine uh is actually remixing uh heaven raining bullets and two minutes to midnight um from the say your prayers album he's actually doing a remix um that he's going, we're going to re-release, um, when he's done with them. And, um, what else? Uh, so yeah, I'm trying, I'm finding like old live recordings from, um, shows that Spy Society did or Empire Hideous did. And I'm going to release stuff like that, but I'm also doing my artwork. I'm painting again. Um, I'm starting to paint. I've been writing some new music. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back involved in things. Uh, there's been a rumor about um an acoustic gig uh that's going to be played on Halloween. On Halloween this year, Empire Hideous will have reached 30 years in existence. Crazy, right? 30 fucking years. Um so as a result, uh the weekend of Halloween, um we have been talking about doing an acoustic set uh at a private party uh in New Jersey. Um, and if all goes well with that, who knows what may come after that. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, th- other than that, all I can say is if uh, anybody else is interested 
you know, uh, just go to uh, either the Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash hideous, I believe, hideous Mike or hideous underscore Mike, one or the other. But it's not Mike Hideous. It's Hideous Mike. Uh, that's the Facebook page. And then, of course, there's the website, uh, which is MikeHideous.com. And Mike is spelled with a Y. Very cool. Well, Mike, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program yet again. Always, uh, yeah, always fun and always a pleasure to talk to you, Mike. Michael, um, I, I want to thank you. It's always a great honor to sit here and uh, shoot the shit with you. I, I always enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it since the first few times we ever did it together. And, um, thank you for having me on and, uh, doing a great job, man. Keep, keep up the good work. All right. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. And we'll, got we'll, it. we'll talk again on the flip side, my friend. Uh, I'll hit you up tomorrow. Okay, great. Sounds good, Michael. Talk All to right. you soon. Take care. All right, Mike. Good night. Have fun out there. All right. All good right, night. Bye-bye. And that was Mike Hideous, a great guest, a great friend of the program here. If you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind, you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find this program. Never forget. This program depends on you out there listening. Don't always sit there behind your phones and computers. You can always call into this program. And if you like this program, by the way, you can always donate. Go to michaeldeacon.com and hit that donate button. Truly appreciate that. My name is Michael. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, if you can just see it, it's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea they should have existed before 726. Oh, Granny. I like Granny. I'm going to keep you real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. That's what I want. Just Justin Smith, he's now made a final battle. There was still one of the most incredibly well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Introducing yeah. the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, Greetings, greetings. I must admit, I'm, um, Andy and, uh, Michael, um, I'm a bit, um, well, Frankie too, you know. I have got to say something to the Cubans. But I'm a bit depressed. Uh, YouTube Sherry has gone postal, and I believe it was from the Monroe Institute Focus Level 10. I kid, I kid.